Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week's shear is going to have a title to it, a name. Don't waste a tragedy. It's going to be divided. Our guests can divide it into a number of parts. We're going to have a psychologist from Eretz Yisrael, Tzviki Fleischman. He's also a Chabad Chassid. How six years ago, he was already dealing with uh, victims of Welder, of Chaim Welder. I found out about Chaim Valder, like in the first uh, two weeks, um, it was six, six years ago, and we opened a Facebook page uh, called Lotish Talk, and after a few days, uh, we had one victim, then another few days, uh, one more victim came um, with the same the same name, with Chaim Valder, that um, sexually assaulted him them when they came for therapy. He was a therapist and um, he abused them sexually. And we're going to speak about, like, how does this happen? How does a predator like this go on for so many years? Now, here's another issue. A lot of people sent me clips from various Rabbanim, and the question being, did Reb Shmuel Aliyah do the right thing by going public? One Rosh Hashiva told me, it's aid me piyed. Another said, Welder agreed to go to a different Bezdin. Why was he Makabal Edis in his Bezdin? He was also Makabal Edis Shaloi Bifnei Baldin, is that Neman? So did Rabbi Leo do the right or the wrong thing? We'll discuss that. And for that, we're going to have Reb Zalman Grouse. He's the expert, in, at least in America, on, you know, Bezdin protocol. And I think his answer will really surprise a lot of Drash Hashivas and Rabbanim. Often Psak follows lines that just don't seem so obvious. The next thing we're going to be speaking about is some people have come out malbim pnechaveri barabim. Well, what happened to the concept the salisa oisay al You let him hang all day. Laman yishmuviro. The concept of gimel tzrichem hachraza. When did they hang these people? Bishas hamoyed so that all of Klal Yisrael would be there. Well, how does that line up with the concept? You're not allowed to be malbim pnechaveri barabim. What about lashon hara? How could we speak about predators when there's an Isra of Lashon Hara? So that's we got Reb Zevlef, the Rav of Moshe Matis Yo, Magachir, teaches Rabbanim, etc. And we're also going to speak to him about the concept of mob justice. Like, why are people so outraged and downloading? Like, why aren't we waiting for Bezdin to come out with some type of a psak? We're going to have Rabbi Aaron Sorsha, Rabbi Sorsha, and uh, I, I want to put a disclaimer in. Rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Sorsha and uh, Rabbi Herschel Shecht are the two Rabbanim in America. When it's late at night and you need to discuss a shach, a ktsais, a primagadim, someplace in the corner of Shulchan Aruch, these are the two Talmud Yacham. You can call them up and speak to them any place in Kalatai Rakula, and they'll answer you. So Rabbi Aaron Sorsha will, it's an old interview, but he speaks about a very painful event when somebody in his family was the victim of a predator. And how, as we see today, the victims got no attention, they, nobody listened to the, all the attention and all the, you know, everybody backs the predator. And why does this occur? And then last, we'll have the journalist, Jonathan Rosenblum, Mishpacha, he's author of so many books. He will speak about, in Eretz Yisrael, how they handled it. We will speak about the large Leviah given, the fact that the chief rabbi of Israel went to be Menachem Mavel. And we will get some somebody on the ground. Are we handling this in an appropriate manner? Those are our guests. I think you're going to find this share to be really interesting. Before we go to our guests, 
I'd like to give you my thoughts about what happened in Eretz Yisrael. We all know the Zeis Chuka Satira, the story of the Paraduma. And we've spoken in the past how there's a powerful lesson here. A Paraduma represents like the most beautiful imaginable creature. In the olden days, the bull, it's like the bull of Wall Street, it had all the power. It pulled the plow. It was the symbol of vitality. He had the most beautiful imaginable creature. And it gets destroyed. And there's ashes. What do we do with those ashes? We don't cry. We use those ashes to be metahir. And there's a marshal here. Most of us have some paraduma, something beautiful in our life that just went awry. It went the wrong way. And the Torah says, when that happens, you know what we do? We take the ashes and we turn ashes into gold. Ashes into energy. And I believe there's something golden and some, some energy to take out of this. And we'll get to that at the end. But I'd like to start at the beginning. I think if you don't believe the story and you think it's some plot from his ex-daughter-in-law, etc., she hired 22 women, you're just naive. Right? It's true. We had this fellow, Zvicky Fleischman today, a therapist. He said six years ago he was dealing already with the victims of Walder. Reb Shmuel Eliyahu pulled up Reb Meish Malevitz from the Mir, the Falls brother, one of the great, you know, Gainim in Eretz Yisrael. And I said, do you know this Reb Shmuel Eliyahu? He says, yeah. He says, so what do you say? He says, listen, I can't tell you that his judgment in halacha, whether I would agree, it's 50-50. I said, but is he a neman? He said, absolutely. Nobody's going to say that he lies. This is from Rameish Malevitz. So he said he, he heard from 22, about 22 women. We believe that. And last but not least, I have in my hands a get that says on it, it mentions, except for the Baal and Chaim Volder. Right? Because the halacha is, by uh, it's, an issue's mezana, it's also the Baal or the Baal. The Baal, it says, except for the Baal and Chaim Volder. This is a get given by the Bezdin of Pesach Tikva. So this is going on for 20 years, and it was hidden, it was covered up. So my question is, how could this happen? I mean, if 22 women came forward, right, and we had this fellow Tzviki Fleischman, he said he had two women and another five by him now. If 22 came forward, that means there was 200 women who had happened to. Very few people, so sexual abuse, it's so humiliating. Imagine telling that to somebody, how you were taken advantage of, you were vulnerable, what it could do to your marriage, what it could do to your family, to Shaduchim, to the whole family's reputation. How could this go on? And I think the answer is, we don't listen to the victims. Why? Somebody comes, they say, you know, somebody touched me. It's uncomfortable. First of all, it's usually people we know. Molesters, for the most part, are people we know. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know their family. What are they going to say? And you don't want to hurt them for Shaduchim. Achil Hashem could come out of it. Shh, it happened. We'll talk to him or you and just don't, we'll take you out of that class. We'll move it to this. Well, it's a cousin. We won't invite him anymore. It's a this or that. Just, we don't want Achil Hashem. One reason we don't talk about it. Another reason is Lashen Hara. Now, Lashon is since we're little, we're speaking Lashon Hara We don't speak Lashon Hara. people do not speak Lashon Hara. And then you have Malbim Pnei Chaveri. You're going to be Malbim Pnei Chaveri. 
And you know what the response to this is? Let's go through them. It's uncomfortable. It's a chil Hashem. You know, Rabbi Berkowitz said this is the biggest chil Hashem that ever he saw in his life in Eretz Yisrael. That the top Haredi writer, the top, he sold a million books, is being laughed at by the whole Israel. The number one, it's in every paper, it's every place except, I think, you know, Matzav and Yeshiva World, it, it didn't exist for them. But every place else, it's the number one article. It's again, things that we don't, we're uncomfortable with, we just cover. They, this story has never happened in a big portion of Jewish media. I just mentioned a few sites. That's one thing. It's uncomfortable. You know what? It's a Chil Hashem. It's going to be a much bigger Chil Hashem when it blows up after, it, there's a hundred, after 20 years and there's hundreds of people. Much bigger Chil Hashem. So you know what? Nip it in the bud. It's embarrassing. It's hurtful. It's going to be more embarrassing when people start committing suicide, when kids are going to therapists, when families are destroyed, etc., when there's divorces. It'll be much more embarrassing. But, you know, taking small problems and making believe they don't exist, and that uncle or that brother or your brother or your sister or or it could be the next-door neighbor, whoever it may be, whoever that, when, when you have now a suspicion, or right? It's a little bit like the fellow goes to the doctor, very edel guy, and the doctor says, listen, I took an x-ray, there's a little spot here on it. It looks cancerous. So the guy says, you know, doctor... We're both Alta Haverim still from Yeshiva. Let's do the Adela thing here. Take a little bit white out and cover it up. What's what's on the x ray right now? We'll put a little white out on that black spot. You know what? Two years later, when it metastasizes, it wasn't so smart. I mean, we've seen what happened. Look at the Catholic Church. It follows the same path all over. They covered it up. Bankrupted recently. It's bankrupting the entire thing. Turretamima covered it up. Hundreds, hundred boys, the yeshiva lost its building, etc. They covered up Baruch Lana, almost destroyed the OU. YU, they covered it up years ago. They took away the stat, almost blows up. I mean, cancers metastasize. They don't go away with little whiteout. Imagine if 20 years ago, six years ago, whenever it was, somebody said, enough. We would not have what Rabbi Berkowitz calls the biggest Chel Hashem to talk nothing about the divorces and the destructions and the, the, the magefis and the, the, the people who are walking around, Chaim Kushem Mesim. Nip it in the bud. Are you worried about Malbim Panechaveri Barabim? You know, it says by the Harugebezin, Vesalisa Oisayal Eitz. They hung him up and they let him hang all day. So people should watch, right? They should hear and they should listen. It should get around what happened to Malbim Pnecha Vere Barabim. Not only that, it says, when did they do this? The Gemara says, Rashi brings, they did it when all of Klal Yisrael was there. Could you imagine? All of Klal Yisrael was there. They hanged us up. What an embarrassment to the family. And the answer is, it's this family are victims, but we and when it comes to something that affects a big mass of people, Klal Yisrael, it's the people come first, and the family, the perpetrator, sadly, and his family comes later. First, we worry about the tzibur, Laman Yishmuviro. So there is no malbum penechaveri when it comes to punishing a, 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 an avarian. You know the sipurnu and the chsam seifa and the uh, hundred others. They say, it says by Yosef, you know, we believe that the Torah is pro-capital punishment. You know, Maishyamas, Maishyamas, Maishyamas. The Sipurnu says, 
fascinating thing. He says, by the brothers of Yosef, it says, He says that the whole purpose of killing is because Laman Yishmu the Torah is not bloodthirsty, doesn't believe in the Kama, but it's Laman, he says, the main reason for all the Haruge Bezdin is Laman Yishmu Veiro. So he said, so the brother said, If there's nobody here to witness it, then he's not Chayiv Misa. They felt he was a Roydeh, if he was a murdered by Malchus, whatever. He said, if there's Vichisinu, the whole purpose is only that others should see. So, the whole Torah is against the concept of Malbam Pnei Chaveri Barabim, by Malchus, by the Haruge Bezdin, by every punishment, who be Kirbecha, Laman Yishmu Viro. So, Malbam Pnei Chaveri, it doesn't even get to first base. Now, as far as Lashon Hara, those who will tell you Lashon Hara, we have on Rabbi Leff is one of the experts in the world in Lashon Hara. Yitzchik Berkowitz considered the Rabbi Sosha the experts, right? Listen to what the Pischei Tshuven or Chaim Kofnenvav says. He says, since we're kids, he says, I have a bigger tumul to make. A bigger avoin than Lashon Hara. And what's that? And it's more common than Lashon Hara. And what is that? When you could save somebody, when there's a din of loisamay daldam riyecha and you don't speak, that's a much bigger avera, he says, than the avera of Lashon Hara. Silence is an act. So what's the first takeaway from it? You know how it happened? Because we're quiet. Because we were embarrassed. Because we didn't, weren't makbir on the mitzvah, on the love of loisamay daldam riyecha. And we were worried about the boogeymen of Albanas Parim and Lashon Hara, Kaiman. This is takeaway number one. And you know what? This creates this culture of silence. It creates a culture of fear where they don't come forward, where the victims feel helpless. Here is Rabbi Leff talking about how victims feel helpless. The, the truth is that a person has a right probably to feel um, vulnerable and uh, and uh, feel that they're not going to get justice. This is a culture of how victims, and they don't, they're afraid to come forward, and they think there's something wrong with them. We've spoken about it in the past, and I'll say it again, and if you're tired of hearing it, fast forward. We said, by Dina, Shimon and Levi say, after Yaakov says to them, he says, you, put, you endangered me, in front of all the Umay Salem when you killed Shem, so they said, Hakizoina Yase Achaisainu. So we still Yase is Lashin Asid. It should say Kizoina Asu What's Yase Lashin Asid? And they were telling Yaakov that when we are quiet, when somebody's molested, like Dina was, and we're quiet, what are we telling her? We're telling her, you know, you must be wrong. You must have done something shameful. And at that point, Hakizoina Yase, we with our silence are making her Yase. So this culture of silence creates fear. Like Rabbi Left just said, they're not safe. And you know what happens then? It creates a culture of mob justice. Like if you read between the words of Rabbi Leo, and I think this is what he said, why didn't you take it to this Bezdin and that Bezdin? What would the other Bezdin have done? He was afraid. They would have said, shh, shh, let's talk to him quietly. Let's, and he's like, he, he has a big heart, 
and he just screamed. He said, this person is killing Benoist Yisrael. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be there silent to wait for this person to silence me and that person to silence me. And he screamed and he put up voice recordings on the, on the ear and he came out and he, why? Because the culture of silence creates a need for this mob justice because people are just really frustrated about the lack of justice. You know, we're going to have on a, an interview today with Rabbi Sosha. Rabbi Sosha is one of the great Talmud Chachamim in the world, not just in America, but in the world. He was in Lakewood, for sure, one of the handful of Talmud Chacham that ever came out of Lakewood. He will tell us the story of how his child was molested and how he encountered and he tried to work something out with the molester. Every type of way, don't stop being a rabbi in the yeshiva. And they laughed at him. So he went to the authorities. So what did they do? They made him miserable, so he, Rabbi Sorsha had to leave Lakewood. Take, talk about a culture of silence taken to an extreme. Consequently, there were people in the community that, uh, that agitated and that didn't rest and did a tremendous amount, you know, put a tremendous amount of time and effort into a campaign, basically to both um, come with a two-pronged attack that A, there's absolutely no evidence that he did it, and it's just, you know, the whole thing is crazy, and B, even when, even had he been a molester, this is not the appropriate way of dealing with it. There were members of my family that because of the treatment they had by certain individuals in Lakewood, they just didn't feel comfortable being in Lakewood anymore. They still don't, and uh, they moved. So this first thing is, let's speak up. Let's be aware of it. And let's have empathy for the abused. Second thing is we really don't understand a lot of this, this silence, it's not coming from bad people. Most of these people at Sadiqim, they're very erlach. For a long time, we didn't understand the damage. Here is Tzvi Gluck talking about the amount of suicide. Suicide, 40, 40 suicides a year. This is what, if you do the math, in the New York immediate area just because of sexual abuse. 40 suicides a year. I had in my house a boy who ate here who committed suicide, not in my house, but afterwards he said he was molested and he committed suicide. A beautiful boy, Shui Finkelstein. Klal Yisrael that I know of, personally Tzvi Gluck that Amudim has dealt with, has unfortunately 41 tragic deaths under the age of 30 since this past Rosh Hashanah, of which 17 of them we know for a fact were victims of sexual abuse. Now, here's a victim of uh, molestation from, who now lives in B'nai Brak, Mr. Framwitz. Listen to the pain. He's speaking about an event, right, that happened 40 or 50 years ago. Listen to the raw emotion in his voice. It's something that happened 40 or 50 years ago. Understand the damage. You should rot in hell. You should be ashamed of going to shul. He should not be given an aliyah in any shul. He should not be given any covered. The guy is a lowlife. He ruined dozens and dozens of boys. I've met with dozens of victims of Yudikoko over the past 10 years. And here's Reb David Cohn, who says the same thing. He says the Rabbanim do not understand that molesters are right for him. Listen to Reb David Cohn. I am not tolerant of Rabbonim who don't know how to eat this thing. You'll pardon, the, put it in quotes. 
They don't know what molestation is all about, and that's why perhaps they feel that it's nothing. So here's another important point. You know, we have a messiah on anti-Semitism. There's no messiah that our children or wives or women have to be preyed upon, that molesters should run free, that they should be sent from community to community, from yeshiva to yeshiva, from town to town. There's no such a messiah. And you know what that means? That means we can wipe this out. And you know how? By speaking up. And you know how? By education. By talking to children and saying, these are parts of your body. If it's covered, it's private. And nobody has a right to go near it. And if they do, you come to Abba or to Mommy and you'll get a candy because you are right and they are wrong. And pre-warned is pre-armed. I had a boy speaking to me yesterday who was molested, and he said he was just terrified. He said the guy was in the room. He didn't know what to do. He said he was just frozen. Well, if we speak to, if somebody does this, don't stay frozen. Run as fast as you can. That person is a Russia. And you know what else is a side product of this? You know, in the, I saw one of the books that speaks about, you know, protect your children. The attacker, the molester, he looks like the Russia from the Haggadah. You know, with a pointy nose, evil. It's not that way. You know, the concept of a Rebbe, it's not true. It's, it's 10%, 5% where it's an educator. 90%, and you can Google it, and there's studies, and I've seen this. It's siblings. It's neighbors. It's cousins. It's uncles. It's aunts. It's people who are close. How many of the Rabbanim, how many of you know that, you know there's an Isra of Yichud with a brother and a sister? Chazal really knew what they were talking about. We can fix this if we can talk about it and we could eradicate it. Here's another important point. These unlicensed therapists. He was an unlicensed therapist, this fellow, Walder, and his whole network is unlicensed therapists. Let me ask you something. Would you eat shechita from a shechit who didn't have a ksav kabbalah? Would you go ask a shayla from a paisik who doesn't have smicha, or maybe doesn't even own a shas or a shulchan arach? Would you go to a Rosh Hashiva who's learning from an English sansino shas? Would you go to a surgeon who didn't go to school? You wouldn't do any of the above. But a therapist without a license? No problem. For starters, we shouldn't be going to them. But then secondly, and I wrote about this in Headlines 1. By the way, I wrote about reporting molesters to the police. I think that was in Headlines 2. I spoke about rabbis who sin in Headlines 3 or 2. I don't know, but all these topics are brought in. What about the Isser of Yichud? A female, therap- a female patient with a male therapist, or vice versa, it's Issa Yichud Legamre. And even if it's Baila Be'ir, there is no heter of Baila Be'ir if Libai Gaspa, and a vulnerable woman and a man there, there's no big adarga of Libai Gaspa. There's Motzi Eitzel Nashim, etc., etc. There's absolutely Issa Yichud. There is no heter for a female therapist and a male, a female therapist and a male patient, or vice versa, a male therapist, unless the husband is sitting outside in the room and there's a door there and he can walk, and he can walk in. That's the only time when it's mother. There's no heter of Vailabir in such a case. Chazal knew what they were talking about. What's my takeaway from this whole thing? We can wipe this out if we talk about it. 
if we don't go down the Lushen Har angle and the Malm Pnechaveri Barabim angle. And if we have really strong Raglaim Ladavar, we go and we yell and we teach our children about it. We can wipe the scourge off the earth. So to me, that's the Paraduma here. I don't know Weltla. I never have saw his farm. I never, honestly, had heard of him before this. I have no animus towards this person as an individual, towards his actions. I certainly do. What is the message we can take from this? We can take this tragedy and not waste it. We can turn this paraduma into energy. If we educate, if we speak, if we chase away the boogeymen of silence so that we have healthy children and we don't have a chal Hashem. Let's go to our riddles of the week. Here are the riddles of the week. Why are Nashim Peturis then? They were in the nest of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Why aren't they Chayiv? Riddle number one. Riddle number two. Borrow from the guy. Yishalu. The Gemara in Baba Kama says, Shur Yisrael Shanagach Shur Akum Pata. Because it says, Ki yach shayr ish, as shayr eyu, vein akum b'chlal re'eyu. V'yesh hotmaya, here the guy is called ish me'es re'eyu, by shayr yisrael, shanagach shayr akum is pata, because it says, Ki yach shayr eyu, and a guy is not re'eyu. Beferish here, that a guy is re'eyu, steer in the psa. Kasha here on the Gemara and Baba Kama. Question number two. Question number three. V'yigadetal l'abincha b'yayimahu leymer. So you see there's a mitzvah, so the question is, the Gemara in Kedushin says, Mitzvahs ha'ava la'ben, l'moyloi, l'fdaisai, l'amdeteira, l'saisha, etc. Why doesn't it bring the mitzvah of Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Are you going to say, well, you know, that's a continual thing every day? Well, l'moyloi is a one-time event, l'fdaisai is a one-time event, l'saisha, we hope it's a one-time event. So why do we say, why isn't it minor, the din of... Uh, those are our three riddles. If somebody gets the trifecta, we will send them a prize. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02-372-0304. To leave a message, call 732-806-8700 and press number 2 or email at info at headlinesbook.com. Let's go to our wonderful program. Joining us from Eretz Yisrael is a psychologist, Svi Fleischman, who has given a number of interviews about the Chaim Walder story. Welcome, um, Svi. Hi, welcome. Thank you. So, Svi, as a psychologist who's been involved in, in, in this area, many Americans are trying to struggle with, where was everybody if 22 women came forward? That means that 
it makes sense that there's another hundred women who haven't come forward because it's it's incredibly humiliating, embarrassing, dangerous for Shaduchim, for your family to come forward. Where was everybody for the last 20 years while this was going on? Um, let me just uh, understand your question. You're talking about the victims or you're talking about um, everybody who knew or everybody uh, in the community? Yeah. You can't do such as, I mean, these are explosive events. You can't do these in a vacuum. There had to be people who knew. There had to be therapists who the women were going to. There had to be, you know, teachers, students, rabbanim, neighbors. I mean, it, it's, right. a, it's, it's a mini Holocaust. It, how did it get away for so how did How did it dis, disappear for 20 years? How did it remain invisible for so long? Right. So, um, I think um, the people who knew, I can divide them by... To two um, two kind of uh, people people like me I knew before it uh, came published I knew because victims uh, talk to uh, like they approach us um, again this is the organization that uh, I'm working in and they 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 said what happened to them uh, from Chaim Wagner what he did to them but they never wanted any any help that uh, connected with uh, publicity. Um, so we're never going to do something that the victim doesn't want. Um, and I guess therapies and other good people that knew uh, also cannot cannot de- do anything about it. Um, and there is uh, one more uh, kind of people who knew that this is like the uh, predator and his uh, um, friends and family, whatever, that they knew, but they had a uh, very big uh, interest to uh, um, to not talk about it and to let it die um, slowly in the years. When did you find out? I found out about Chaim Valder like in the first uh, two weeks. Um, it was six, six years ago, and we opened a Facebook page uh, called Lotish Talk, and after a few days. Uh, we had one victim, then another few days, uh, one more victim came um, with the same the same name with Chaim Valder that um, sexually assaulted him, them when they came for therapy. He was a therapist and um, he abused them sexually. And they didn't want any type of uh, any type of publicity. They didn't want you to call them out without mentioning their name either. No. They didn't want anything uh, like that. How do you know the credibility? A lot of people are asking, how do we know it's true? How do you ascertain the credibility of the individuals coming to you? Um, we we have our own tools. We Every every story, every victim. Uh, first of all, I, I have to say, we are believing the victims. Uh, we're not uh, doubting victims who are calling us. But and this is not our uh, in most of the cases this is not our job to uh, to make sure that the story is, is correct because we are not the police there is police and there is court and they are deciding in the Chaim Valdez case um, the story didn't came to the police because uh, he by himself made a lot of trouble to people who wanted to go to the police and he dragged few victims of him to uh, money agreements, uh, money in exchange of silence. Um, so if you're asking how 
can I can I uh, convince um, um, that Chaim Valdez story is true? I cannot do it. I know it's true, and everyone has the the right to, to choose if if he believe it or not. I believe the victims. I also met the victims. Yeah, I know who are the victims. But when you see more than twenty people that pointing out to the same person and saying this this man uh, hurt me. It's easier and um, more logical to believe them, and to in in instead to believe the one person who denying all of this. There is no uh, there is such a low uh, chances that twenty more than twenty people that don't know each other will do such a conspiracy about uh, uh, one random person instead of his like lying. Saying I didn't do that. Damage. What is the damage it does to the victims? They had a they had a bad day. Like explain to us what the damage is. What damage is done? Are you asking about the particular uh, story with Valder or like damages like? Uh, let's talk with, let's talk, we're talking about Valder. So he assaulted somebody. Okay, he got assaulted. Tomorrow's uh, another day. So sexual abuse is very serious. Uh, very serious assault. People uh, will have to recover from sexual assault for years, and many people uh, will never recover. They will live with the trauma. It's very, very. Um, uh, it's a sense of you, you losing your identity, losing yourself. That someone take took over you. Someone took uh, wants to be uh, wants to own you and uh, did it without your permission. And he was the strong, and you were the weak. It's years of therapy, and I know like one victim of Chaim Valder that her life became a nightmare after the assault. Like she was uh, coming and going from uh, hospitals, and she had like nervous breakdown every other week. Um, it's a very bad situation, and uh, it's basically uh, can easily ruin your life, like easily. Now, were any of the women who came forward married women? Yeah. What did, their, what did their husband say? Like, why didn't they take a baseball bat and go attack the guy? Not all the husbands knew. And second, as I said before, there was a money agreement between the, between the victims and Valder. So uh, the husbands who knew cannot do anything about it. I was in touch with one of the one of the husbands, and uh, he was mad, but yeah, he was also without any tools to do anything. Could you explain, you know, in America, we've had Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Did similar things, right? But he was an evil person. He never did anything for anybody. He was just pure, uh, literally, from the children of the Sutton. Chaim Walder, on the other hand, spent most of his life writing books to help people. Yeah. So he seemed to be Ben Adam Lechavero, Somebody who was, this was his entire life. Could you explain the psychology of somebody who devotes his life to helping others and as a side business spends his life destroying people? It's such a bizarre dichotomy. Yeah, this is exactly the, point, the, the thing that um, people, human beings are very uh, complex. They're not uh, black and white. Uh, people, there's no such a thing as pure evil or pure uh, goodness. Um, people are very complex, and a person like Chaim Valder, um, he 
did good things. He was uh, writing about uh, the the nefesh, you know, of the, of the kids. He was the, the first one who did it. And I think when he uh, started to uh, uh, getting, like, power on his hand, so this is where he's, his darkest wishes, his darkest places came out and uh, sat, like, unfortunately, instead of using this power uh, for good things, he used it for bad things. Um, and this is a, a lesson for all of us that no one is, uh, is like, uh, immune. Yeah, this is the right word, I guess, from, from, like, you can never trust anyone to be pure good you can never trust anyone uh, and said he would never do such a thing because everyone in 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 the right condition uh, i guess in the wrong condition can go like very very bad um, like yeah what is um how many of the victims have you actually met i was in touch years ago with two of the victims Okay. And now I I know um again like the organization that I that I work with is in touch with five uh of Valder uh, uh, victims. What is your takeaway? Like what's your, you know, what do you take away from the story? What is after all the discussion who he was, what he was, what's the takeaway? That's a good question. I still don't know what I'm taking away, but um sure what I'm thinking about this is the first time ever that the Haredi community in Israel um, forced to face uh, sexual abuse uh, and also uh, uh, suicide as a topic that has to be spoken and even if they don't want to talk about it, even if they want to hide it. And this is the truth. Uh, topics like that have to be spoken before uh, before it gets to these places before someone is like, uh, it's better to talk about sexual abuse before this, the reality is forcing on you to, to do it, to explain the kids uh, uh, what is sexual abuse, to talk to them like, uh, like with a lot of uh, patience and not like my kid, yeah, my son came back from school with the whole uh, Wilder story. So I talked to them before, but I, I'm thinking about hundreds of thousands of kids. They, no one talked about them, about sexual abuse. They were confused. There was uh, uh, with anxiety and a lot of bad things that we don't want to. So it's better to talk about it because it's never going to go away. It's never going to disappear. So talk to your kids, and that will be better for all of us. What do you say to the people who don't believe it happened? As I said before, I believe it happens, and I think, uh, again, if more than 20 people, and as you said in the in the beginning, 22 people uh, approach the bathing, but there is more, of course, and it's very unlikely that all of them, by the way, they don't know one each other. It's very unlikely that all of them lie instead of one person that lie about all of this. So just think about it and... Uh, make your own conclusions. How did, how did Rabbi Eliyahu get 22 people to come forward? Because Rabbi Eliyahu has a special baby into such cases, and he um, published uh, announcement that calling uh, Valder victims to come forward, and he was trusted by the victims. 
So they came forward to, to his bathing. Have you met Rabbi Eliyahu? Do you know him? Yeah, a few times. I'm, I'm in touch with Rabbi Eliyahu, yeah. And, and what, what drove Rabbi Eliyahu to do this? Um, to be honest, Rabbi Eliyahu is the only rabbi uh, that uh, um, thinks sexual abuse is the highest in the highest level uh, problem in the community. Um, he knows how sexual abuse uh, can affect uh, uh, people, and he thinks that this is a holy topic, and he's doing amazing things about it. Whenever I was uh, trying to uh, reach him about sexual abuse, he was available for me ever. Like, all of the time, he was available, and indeed, like, uh, he, he got involved to the story. This is not the first story, by the way. Explain, what do you mean by that? It's not the first story. Like, I, we were in touch with Rabbi Eliyahu, I myself, about many different stories, and he helped. You say he helped. In what way did he help? He helped to solve uh, cases. He helped to solve problems, to talk with victims, to talk with, uh, like, rabbis that need to uh, expedite the uh, victims. Uh, he knows the, the job, and he has he has Dishmaya. See, what, why do you believe the, um, the statements coming out of certain portions, and just certain portions of the Haredi community are, let's worry about, you know, the victim, let's worry about the family, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there doesn't seem to be, in certain quarters, much concern about the victims. It's much more concern about Walter and his family. Given the enormity of the damage that he's done, what's the logic to it? It, it seems illogical. I think... Um, this is because lack of information and lack of knowledge about sexual abuse. Because if someone like they're not bad people, of course. If someone is will know about how serious is sexual abuse, how bad is sexual abuse, he will definitely will put it above any other uh, explanation, any other thoughts about lashon hara or whatever. They they just now think that lashon uh, hara or other uh, excuses is like more serious than sexual abuse. Once they will be educated, once they will have the knowledge about how serious is sexual abuse, this is exactly what we are trying to do. Um, so they are going to talk uh, different. Tell us what Lotishdok does. What? Tell us about your organization. My organization is um, again. Uh, Lotus Talk is a project between, uh, in inside Magan. We are uh, fighting sexual abuse, child sexual abuse in the Orthodox community in Israel. We are spreading knowledge. We are spreading awareness. Uh, we do education events. Uh, we we give therapy to victims. We support therapy. Yeah, going with them to the police court. Uh, do uh, prayer investigations and uh, support groups. Everything you can think about uh, helping victims. We are putting the victims in the center. This is our life mission. How prevalent is it? Uh, what's prevalent? Uh, um, how common is sexual abuse in the in the Haredi community? Uh, as much as we know, it's coming like the rest of the population. Not less and not more. Uh, Which there is, is one out of how many children would you say in the in the, in the you know in the regular community? One, of five. Twenty percent of children. So here's my yeah. question. So it's one out of it's one out of five children. That's a lot. So right. are are we are all the 
we are all the people who are committing these crimes. Like, I don't know anybody in Eretz Yisrael who's in jail or who's been thrown out of the community for sexual abuse. If 20% of kids are abused, there must be a lot of abusers. Right. We are, we, we, why, why aren't they being called out? Why aren't they in jail? Why aren't they ostracized? Like, I don't know a single one. Like, explain it. The sad answer to that, to this question is yeah most of the most of the predators most of the abusers are uh, living among us the victims are uh, not talking and uh, and the uh, predators are just uh, don't pay they they dare to the to the community to the society yeah this is this is the sad answer so predators are getting away with it um predator most of them i think yeah this is a bad situation, but uh, when out of ten predators, how many are being are being put away? What percentage? Um, I will say one or two. Uh, this is my uh, so eighty or ninety percent of the predators are getting away with it. So you're saying that the children in our communities are really not safe from predators. If if ninety percent no. of predators are getting away with it, our children are not safe. Is that correct? Children are not safe and. Um, this is our job as parents, as teachers, as community leaders to not go after the unknown predators right now, just to educate the parents and the kids, the children, how to react, how to have the tools to, um, even if they got assaulted, to talk, to share, to not live with this a uh, uh, black hole for the rest of their life. This is our job. And if they, if we're gonna teach, if we're gonna educate the community, so the predators and uh, the the abusers will uh, slowly go away. Because if a, if a, uh, one child is speaking about this, is is uh, is uh, assault, and one more child, and one more child, so we will know who did it. Um, this is, I think, the most important thing. So if you had one minute, and if we have an audience, you'll get, I don't know, 100,000 listeners here, which means 20%, I mean 20,000 may have been abused. What would you tell to that abused child listening to this program? I would say that, uh, first of all, I hug you. I believe you. I definitely believe you, what you've been through. Um, there is no any reason to stay with this by yourself. Please reach for help. Please share your story. Uh, you can get help. You can get healed. You can get recover from this uh, from this horrible situation that you've been put on. Um, you can reach out, and you will get from the people around you. You will get empathy, and you can you can live different life. Just don't be afraid of uh, of. Uh, uh, of the society. We will believe you. I will believe you. Uh, my people will believe you. And I call the whole community. Never doubt um, a person who reach out and say that he was abused. See, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Joining us from Borough Park is Rabbi Zalman Graus. He's uh, formerly a Magachir in Bells. Editor of Oitzra Paiskim, Mechaber of many Sfarim, including Bari Vashema, the Kolbayan Erevin, Berchas Alechem, one of the uh, handful, for sure, two, three, four top Dayanim, Boyerim in America, uh, expert in Besdin procedure. Welcome, Rabbi Graus. Hi, good morning. So, Rabbi Graus, I would like to, from a halachic point of view, 
discuss what happened in Eretz Yisrael, you know, in this in this very well-known ongoing saga, this sad case that's going on. So here's my question. I'm going to ask you five or six halachas that on, arguably most people have no idea. Um, if somebody's Muslim to a Bezdin, right, like this fellow Weldos, right, and he wants to go to a different Bezdin, he says, I don't like your Bezdin. And this guy says, look, I have many accusers, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I don't want to go to your Bezdin. I want to go to another Bezdin. He says, look, I'm the Rav of Tzas. Um, do I have, does the Rav of Tzfas have the right to say, look, we're making a yeshiva's bezdin, you attack people, you're a, we consider you some type of right or wrong, we consider you doing some type of criminal thing, and we, this is not like a dintaira where we're going around for monetary reasons as time. Here, a girl in Tzfas was attacked, we are taking you to bezdin in Tzfas, I'm the Rav of Tzfas, do they have a right to do that unilaterally, even though he wants to go to a different city? Okay, I'm not not familiar with that particular case, but I may give you general rules. And before we go to particulars, I would like to explain to you what a little bit a bezin means. Uh, a bezin in our time, sometimes we use words that is borrowed from history. What is not uh, in reality doesn't mean that. Uh, let's say Bezin, I will not go in particular historic times, but I will divide it in three categories of Botadinim in the past, in the future. There was perfect time, let's put it what I mean. Perfect time is that the Bezin had all the powers and all the functions. That's mean, let's say it in between um, people. Like the Sanhedrin, like you're saying in the times of the Sanhedrin. Yes, yes. Any dispute between people belong to a best. The second was is punish and to see that everybody should obey Dalil Hasim the Torah. That is an, a, a second function. Third function, what people don't know, but is the first Mishnah Shkolim. They had the function to, they had to see if the supply to water should be for the city, correct? They had to see that the roads should be correct, and they take care of all the functions. What today, I would say, all the three uh, departments of the government takes care was combined in best. The Bezin were appointed. Is there in Rambam, in Shonoch, it's written, clear how Bezin was appointed, but it was not self-declaratory. That means you cannot decide three Rabbonim or even a Hashem Rabbonim. They cannot decide that they are the best of the city. It has to be appointed or by the people, at least Ravat Sibir, or by Bezna God of Shalim, or the Novi, or the Koshbach. But this is a function what you cannot take upon yourself. You cannot declare you are a best. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, specifically, there are. There are venues, it's called, in legal terms. You have, the, every Bezin has the function of his city. Not the Bezin, they were above all, all of them. But every city has its own, had its own best. The second, I would say, not in perfect time, like in the old cities in Europe or wherever, there were Bezin that were appointed by the people of the city, they united, or as majority, they appointed the Bezin, but the functions were limited. They couldn't punish in most cases, in most times. They were able to deal 
most functions of the best in the, of the city. They were appointed. Today time, at least in New York, we'll go a little bit maybe for Israel, but here in New York, there is no appointed any basin by the city, by the, all the people unitedly, they are, they are appointing a basin. Maybe in one shkune in Kranites, they were, they were formally, were votes for a basin, they formally appointed the basin. I think that is the only place, or maybe, maybe the other place in square, in small towns, but in New York, there is no basin functioning of a basin as a formal appointed by the people. The only way how a basin can function in New York is two people, but well, they have an obligation, halakhic obligation, to seek for justice. If they have a dispute between them, they have to go to a basin. What they, that's a question of where to go. It's a different question. Now, back to our point, why I'm saying this, I'm trying to explain that this kind of functions is not a present function at all. Specifically, not from one venue or the other venue with Asmonis. You are not going to punish anybody. You have no power of that. This is not a function of a best. On the other hand, having said that, if I'm looking for a shidduch for my daughter, and I'm calling up a rabbi wherever, please, give me a little bit of information of this boy. Look around and see. He may do it, it's not a curious aidus, it's not a shloi bifne baldin, bifne baldin, that person, other person. And he may tell me, look, this boy is not good. On the other way, or he's very good. I'll give you another example, a simple example, but I don't know why they call, don't, don't call it their person. It was in Bechemish, a big fight about if there is quorum or not quorum. Was a person appointed for that? Everybody did what they wanted to do, but it is not not in the form of a basin. I think this is far-fetched. These old shilas and put it in the place is like you is not a question of basin here. So, yeah, yeah. Two questions, Rabbi Grass. One is when a when a basin in in Yisrael is appointed mitzvah Hamadina, I mean, and they are the basin, let's say, of Tzfas. I mean, they do have authority in that city, Legabe Hajjachas. It is more than a Bezdin in, you know, in, 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 in Borough Park where anybody could just hang a shingle outside their Bezdin and call themselves a Bezdin. I mean, this is Mitama Medina. They do have authority. The government empowered them. They do have certain rights. They can do marriages. Which, how would, where, where does that line up in your list of three Patedinim? Excuse me. You are right, and I'm not go, I'll not go here if this was, it was Allahic appointed or not Allahic appointed. This is a dispute by themselves, but I will not go in it. I will, let's assume that this is Allahic appointees. But the appointees is very, there is a rule there, what they are appointed for. And none, I am not, again, I am not familiar with it. I didn't see the rules, uh, at least not uh, shortly while. I should remember what the law says. But I'm sure that the laws doesn't give them any authority or any function for that particular work. For punishing. That particular work, they had, I don't think that they have, they didn't allow to do this in, in the frame of their work from legal. Okay, so, so, so knowing that, Rabbi, Rabbi Graus, okay, you have a Besden, he's a, let's look theoretically, a guy's the rub of a city. And somebody is accused of harming women, right? Does the Rav have a right 
to call Adem, call the person up, say, listen, we're going to call Adem, we're going to try you for this, we want to take you off the streets, and if, you, if we find you guilty, we will be mafarsimit that you are a predator. Does a Bezdin have the ability to do that, Bismanenu? Yeah, and you are, you're taking words. Right, words. You're taking words that words is not fitting in this context. Let's say, to the, uh, many times I see a big sign that this, this food was found there, who knows what. And this is Oser Bachile. Find Toloim. In this, uh, somebody produced uh, uh, strawberries. The name is this in this fab factory. And in his factory, is the Lord in the strawberries. And the others say, no, no strawberries there. You're causing the other person a lot of hepsid of mama. Right. And you are not, you don't call it bezin, you don't call it gvsadim, you don't use these words. It sometimes is being multiplied, magnified, or, or I would say exaggerating words. There are all kinds of disputes in Shailis Laloche, what people have, people do, it's not in frame of best. And so, if they may do it or they have to do it, it's a different question. So let me ask you the question. The, you're saying it's not in the framework of a Bezdin to be punishing people, period. Right? Okay. Agreed. Okay, let's accept that. It doesn't, there is no such a framework. Bezdin are not a police. They're not given. I mean, but... They cannot even do it. They cannot do it. They will do it. They will be arrested. I understand. But what they can do is they can use publicity. They okay. could say, no, what, we, what, but there's not the function of a bezin. We don't find this. I don't say you don't find this because it's written many times, machrizm, all, all kind of things. But this, a person may do it by himself. Let, let's say, let, let me give you Hassam Sofer, for example, Samachlekes in Boskin. But the Hassam Sofer in Cheshmish Betzim and Kuba and Zion is says that Ein Bein Bezin Bein Kol Ishmi Yisrael Sheyochol Limchos Ulevgoya Boevre Avere Veloi Klum. What he, I, I, I didn't understand what some sort of said. That what? I, I didn't hear you clearly. That what? There's no difference between Bezin or being any individual to prevent somebody from doing an avail. Okay. So you're saying basically this power to go ahead and to be machrez, we call it a Bezdin, but it's, it's halachically, th- th- there is no such a din Bezdin, that they're not empowered by anybody to... So let me, let me push back at you, Rabbi Grouch. One second, one second. No, but there is a machloikus. I have to only to... There is a machloikus if everybody has a duty. If I see, I have the power. I'm not afraid of the police. I see somebody's machal Shabbos. And I'm able to hold him back. He should not machal Shabbos, at least not the Pharisee. Right. In, and I have able to do it. Then I should... Do it or I should not do it is a machalikis impossible. That's been Adam Lamakim. But let me let me push back at you, Rabbi Grail. So let me let me throw a few halachas at you that I'm sure you know. I mean, the, the first one is is the Shulchan Aruch in let's say in Chayshim Mishpat and Simen Chavches, where it talks about the power of the Toivei Ha'ir, and it says the Toivei Ha'ir have a right to be mavaza, to be machriz, to punish, yeah, to be roider. Who is the way here? We appointed them as the way here. Well, I, I, hello, I, I, I would, I would, so I would make the argument if the Rabbanus of Eretz Yisrael said you are responsible for the for your city, that certainly gives them the the the, the, the din of a a year. I don't agree. They, there is particular rules in the law what they were appointed for. 
I understand, but it certainly makes them taiveya ear. They they are no, responsible for the ruchniyas. For the ruchni, if if you, if you ask them, what is the they're responsible for the ruchniyas of the city? The mayor of the city is the taiveya, not he. I I would. And besides, means the people in the city who are responsible. I mean, the Bezdin is responsible. That's what I would say. I don't think so. I don't think so. You're entitled for your opinion. I don't okay. think so. Okay. So second, let me let me go back second, to different. Second, let me, one second. Yeah, one yeah. second. One second. Second, there is cities, and if he's somebody tuva here from Tzvas, he's not a tuva here from Nebrak. Right. So he's the Rav of Bnei Tzvas, and he says, in my city, a girl was attacked by this person, and I'm going to put this person out of business. Alf the Tavia here. Yes, and here's the lashon of the tour that the Rav Yeshlam Lahalka is Lavaze. The tour in the Shemunoch, everything speaks about a power, a physical power or a lachic power. What they are doing? Who told you that somebody is not allowed? I'm not talking about Hilchus Lashon I am convinced that this guy doing this and this affairs, and I want this, the public should know that the public should be careful. The truth okay, is, I don't uh, know what in his publicity. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. But let me just start. I'm just the problem starts, but because the people are over of Yichud. Without Yichud, is no, it doesn't exist. This problems. Well, 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 let me go to that next. Let me just go in order. I want to mention three things. So here's the washing of the tour in the Rambam in Simon Beis and the Tovia Yeshlam Levazes Mishesh Muasei Ra Va'Am Meraninim Achrav Bekala Delay Pasik Ulevazesei Umecharfin Es Yeladetay Befanav. His mother, you could be Mavaza too, in front of him. Right? Or are you allowed to say? Or to the ear or bezin. To the ear. To the ear doesn't mean that somebody declares himself as to No, so I'm, I'm, I'm not agreeing. I, don't. I totally don't agree. I don't agree. You are, you are not appointed for that. If I'm appointed you a gabber from a shul, you should give a liar. That doesn't mean you become two way weak. Okay. If I become your heaven okay. condition. Uh, he's the Rabbi Rashi. Look, he's the Rabbi Rashi. He's not a Chaver Kaddish. The Rabbi Rashi is there is a written in the rules what he should do and what he should not okay. do. So, I'm afraid. Rabbi Grout, point. Rabbi Grout, I'm not. I am very careful. I don't know the laws, but I'm sure. I'll tell you a different, a different story. There all used to be all the Bote Dinim in Israel used to done Dinim Memoines among People came out the Beta Mishpat, and they told you not supposed to do that. Like you are a police, you cannot uh, make arbitration because you are a police. Therefore, you are a bezin only what you are appointed for. You are not appointed for dinner memoirs, only for dinner issues. That became a law. It's not, not a question of law. It was a rule from the Beta Mishpat, and the bezin are not doing it anymore. And if they are doing it, they may be the first the be- the court won't recognize this, even if they sign arbitration agreement, because they say that you are not doing according to the law, under the function of the law. That's not your function. I'm not saying who is wrong, who is right. I don't say anything, but you have to keep. Or if you claim that you are appointed by the government, then you have to follow the government's rules. If you are appointed by people, then you have to be appointed by the people. But you cannot say because the government appointed me for one thing, I'll I'll go. Rabbi Grass, Rabbi Grass, let me move on. He called himself too very weird. Okay, Rabbi Grass. Rabbi Grass. So let me give you another makam la In in Shin Peches and Sifzayin, 
And the shach, so somebody's being beaten up. Somebody's running after somebody with a, with a stick. Is he a ladder or isn't he a ladder, right? So he says he's allowed to go to the police. And the, the shach brings from the Marie Riesenberg that Adam You could go and say, look, this guy's thing. Cut his hand off. And then the lashon of the shach is mitzvah l'chol adam. Not on Bezdin. On l'chol adam. Loimer l'shayfet. Pliny hika lepliny, and his makayer is a is a is the arzarua, right? And I'll, I'll I'll translate it into English. If somebody frequently beats and has repeated the crime several times, it is a mitzvah for every Jew to notify the judges and authorities and petition them to stop him. If as a result they would confiscate all his property, the informer has not committed any sin. We have a right to protect each other. Would you say that? If if Kol Adam could do it, certainly a person who said, look, I was Makabaladis, I heard a lot of people say about this person, and I am getting up and I'm taking a microphone and I'm saying, this guy is a danger to the public. Would you say that this halacha of a, of a, of a muka mechavere was similar, the Shulchan Aruch says, they call hametzar l'rabim, right? Somebody, and the Shach says, it doesn't even have to be a rabim if it's, if it's beguf, both the Shach and the Smase, even one person. A person has a right to take a microphone and say, this person is a danger to society, even not Bataris Bezdin. Would you say, I think you said this before, I just want to repeat it. Would you say I that? You said it before. I just right, said I, I, you before. said it before. I'm just, yeah. There are a lot of caveats, a lot of details in it, but in general, you're 100% right. But there's nothing to the Bezdin, as you said it. The Shach says, call Odom Israel. It's nothing to do if you have a Roshi or not have a Roshi. Everybody may do it. And maybe he has an obligation to do it. But as no connection whatsoever with VSA, this, with all kinds of words, what we like to use, like we say, Rava Goen, but everybody knows that it doesn't mean necessarily that he's a Goen. You don't have to use these words, VSA, this, like the form of Midwar Alim, all kind of this borrowed language. Is Muktzeh Machmasmius? Excuse me. It, okay, it so you're saying the whole, every the whole thing. Everybody's basically we're all barking up the wrong tree, in effect, because they're talking about you know it's it's Makabel Edis Shaloi B'Fdei Baldin. It's Edis Isha. It's Edmi P.A. You're saying this has nothing to do with Bezdin. There's no Bezdin no, that's empowered. Wow. That's the same. That's to do with Shimpeiches or with other simonim, but more to Shimpeiches than to to the Irkas Edis. Okay, so let me ask you a question. I'm a person, I'm the fellow, I heard a person, Maranin and Akhrav, I'm about to pick up a microphone, and I know that if I pick up the microphone, I may very well be destroying the person's life. I may be, you know, talk about Malbum Pnei Chavei. I mean, when you get up and you call somebody in, in an orthodox society, uh, a serial, you know, womanizer, rapist, pedophile, whatever it is, you're, you're destroying the guy's life for all practical purposes, right? right? So my question to you is, as a Dian, how sure do I have to be before I do that? If I heard aid me PA, if I heard aid Isha, if I heard aid Baldin, if the guy denies it, and I come to you, I say, Rabbi Grouse, um, I heard from 20 witnesses, not from the Baldin themselves, that so-and-so is a serial, put whatever you want after it, right? Would you, would you Paskin, say David, pick up a microphone and warn people, or would you say, you're killing somebody, you need much stronger, how much evidence do I need before Rabbi Grouse would allow me to pick up a microphone? It's a very hard question, it's very hard to answer, at least... Rabbi Grouse, Rabbi Grouse, Rabbi Grouse, you, you, get, you get paid the big dollars because you are supposed to know the answers to very hard questions. 
Yeah, but this question is not so much a lucky question. I'll tell you, or you, I would like a little bit, if you should speak about personally, I'll tell you. From my beginning of my work, I came many, many people that somebody spread uh, lots of horrors about them. Or they, a big politician, I won't say a name, but a big politician, a religious Jew or Orthodox Jew, came to me once that one of the media spread of him all kinds of issues that uh, not if this kind of issues, other they took out from context his words and they said, oh, he's, supposed, he's supporting gay marriage, he's supporting this and that. What was not true that from a big speech, what he spoke in, in one of the places, they took out words of, out of context. It's clear. And people want to hire me, I should represent them in the interior. I always told them I'm not for that. I will not sit from day to night by the interiors about Loshan Hore and about spreading rumors. Because first, the person cannot do a lot about that. And people are understanding. He took out from context, but unfortunately people take it out of context always words. And sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not true. It's very hard to go. Like you ask me let me ask you if uh, about the, in Chafetz Chaim is all issues about Shiduchim. Oh, and uh, people learn that with EU and all kinds of things. But I'll tell you a little bit. Maybe people won't like it, but I will tell you it. I am for a discretion. What do you mean? People you have to use their own discretion what is wrong and what is right. It's not everything can be ruled out in writing in details when you may say about a shidduch and one not. You heard the rumor in the yeshiva that is not learning or is learning, how much is learning. This is not something what can be written in details, halacha sieve by sieve. If he's learning a little bit, then he's a good bocher. He's not written bocher. He spoke, he spoke bachazor shashat or bachshomar or he spoke, he was not. And therefore, you may say that he's a wrong bocher, you should not do the shidduch, or in the other way around. It is so many details in that, that you cannot be particular. And whatever rules I will say, I will be wrong, because it is, depends on circumstances. Depends if you do it, if you do it rightly, by, because you feel that that is the right way, nobody can accuse you. And if you do it because you want to sell a different... Uh, strawberries, and you say that other company's strawberries are full with worms, then it's a different story. You destroy also his livelihood. In, in Benchemish, was a big fight about somebody invested millions of dollars to build their uh, building. I don't remember exactly the name. And some people said that was underneath the, the building bones from people, from Jews. Others say it was proved that it was not bones from people, bones from, or from animals or from going. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. But no basin, there's no question was, you destroyed millions of dollars of people about that. Okay, and Rabbi, was Rabbi. Not, we say this, was is wrong or right. It is very hard to say. It's so I'm asking you, Rabbi, Rabbi Krauss, this particular case, 
there's a fellow, I'm the rub of a city, a woman comes to me and she said she went into therapy and he took advantage of her. And you buy dick and you find another person and another person and the women are embarrassed to come forward. It's the end of their life. If their husband finds out, if the family finds out, but you hear aid me paid 22 people at, over a long period of time and you say this person is a danger to society. And I come to you and I say, Rabbi Grouse, can I pick up a microphone and say, this guy is a serial molester. What would you tell me? It's an individual expression. If I'm convinced that it's true, I will say yes. Yes, do it. Based upon this maram, or is a ruah and the shach, sort of, that, that, that's this idea. Based on, on, on many, many post games, not only that. I'm saying if you have any ways to prevent somebody, you should do wrong, you, should, you have to do it like a roidif. You have to do everything in your power to prevent that these people should not hurt other people. There's no question about it. This is a sickness that goes that's not, not going away by talking to him nicely. This is a terrible, terrible issue. We don't have the means to handle it. We're very sorry to say that. We don't have the means to handle it. There was no Sifus Rabonim had to handle it. The first thing is you have to prevent people from Yichud. Yichud, that is the key issue from all the problems. All the key issues starts by Yichud. If there is no Yichud, there is no problems. And if somebody is misyached himself, that itself is a problem. What the mic should be, what should be, in what language you use. This is individual questions, but definitely there is a mitzvah of everybody to see what he can to prevent this. On the other hand, I must tell you that there are people that using and using this venue, this means, using to destroy other people. But if they is convinced in Deutlichem Shemaim, and you feel so, you may do it. Rabbi Grass, thank you very much for your time. Joining us from Eretz Yisrael is Harav Zev Lef. He's the Moira de Astra of Moshe Matisio. He's a renowned international lecturer. He's, he teaches Rabbanim in Ur Lagoyla. He's a Magachir in Ur Sameach. He has five Sfarim printed by Art Scroll. Welcome, Rebzev. Thank you. Thank you. So, Rebzev, in no particular order, a number of Rabbanim, etc., talked about the concept of Malbim Pnei Chavere Barabim. And I was struggling as a simple Talmud. I mean, the Gemara says, Yad the Gemara Pasik says, Yad Ha'edim Barishayna. Had to be Lifnei Kala Eda, Laman Yishmu Ve'iro. Right. Right. So when they, when they gave a punishment, it was in front of all of Klal Yisrael. In fact, the Gemara, by some of them, that boy Hachroza, Rashi says they did it by Aliyah Laregel, Laman Yishmu Ve'iro. So what right. happened to the family who's going to get mortified? We're talking there about somebody who uh, Adis was accepted, and and uh, uh, the the Adis was uh, was uh, investigated, and it came out uh, to be 100% acceptable. And uh, Beisdin voted to punish someone, and there the Torah says that person not only lost his right to life which also affects his family, but his right for uh, not being uh, mortified and insulted and embarrassed for the sake of Prague Israel. So what happens to the family? They're not guilty. Uh, they're not guilty, but Lamaisa, uh, the Torah said that the, 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 uh, the what's it called, the rights or the, uh, the, the, uh, 
lesson that Claudius learned is more important than what their family will suffer. The family also has to feel that they're partners in uh, teaching Claudius a lesson. And uh, that's, again, that's That's what the Torah demands. These Rabbanim weren't talking about that situation. But the Torah, but no, but I'm saying, we see a concept here that when we have somebody who's a purported uh, evildoer, right? right. We, we, don't, we worry about victims and not about family members. Right. Let me give you another example. If a guy's running down the street with a knife and he's chasing somebody, he's a roidif, and the only way to save the nirdaf is to get on TV and say, there's a roidif running down uh, May Sharam, whatever it is. Can anybody run out and stop him? Would you say that you shouldn't do that because you have to worry about Malbum Fnechaveri Barabim of the family? Now, if it's if it's a bona fide case of roidif again, the Torah said clearly what you have to do in such a situation. I think these Rabbanim were talking about where it's not as clear right, and as uh, uh, final as that situation where you have either rumors or you have um, accusations and uh, they have to first be uh, uh, investigated and make sure that that person deserves punishment. We're talking here about issues that are dinner nefoshos, but not only for victims, definitely for victims are dinner nefoshos, but they're also dinner for people who are accused, but not yet have bona fide investigation um, that they are guilty. Rabbi, so, Rabbi Leff, when if somebody sees somebody running down the street with a knife, right? Right. He clearly doesn't have a bona fide thing. I mean, maybe the guy's running after the other guy because he wants to give him a haircut with a knife. Yeah, but that's, but, you, but every yeah. person has the right to make the judgment and say, this sure looks like a rodif to me, and let me pick up the microphone. Right. So when you have a, a, a Rav who says he's heard testimony from 20 people, aid me piades, from Nashim, from Ketanim, from Psuleyedis, if somebody says, came to you and he said, Rabbi Lef, you're in Moshe Matisyo, there's somebody in Moshe Matisyo, he took a gun, he's running down the street. I didn't see it myself, but ten witnesses told me that. And another few witnesses come and tell you there's a guy running down the street with a gun. And this Katanim came and they said somebody's running down the street with a gun. Would you say, look, I can't do this, it's aid me piyed, it's me piktanim, it's pinashim. Let me sit a bezdin down to find out whether the guy's really running down the street with a gun, or would you pick up the phone and say, everybody, run into your house? Yeah, I would do the sec second thing. But over here also, even in your case of a road day, the halacha is, the main thing is to save the person who's being run after. If you can do that by only by killing the person, you can kill him. But if you can do it by naming him or in some other way stopping him, and you kill him, you're a, a rosayach. So, right. uh, so, so it would be up to the right. person who's thinking, saying, can I stop him another way, or is this the only way to stop him? Right, exactly. So let me ask you a question. The, we've had, look, if you go to Google, they'll tell you one out of six children are molested. Mm -hmm. One out of six women are assaulted, etc., right? And yet, we don't know a lot of people who are either sitting in jail or have been ostracized for our community for assaulting women or children, right? Okay. So, so there's an assumption that for the most part, these things are hushed up. Do people feel safe? Like if, if a woman is assaulted or is a child assaulted, do they feel safe? They go to Besdin or they go to the local Rav, they're going to get attention, or do they feel sort of, well, you know, we can't really embarrass the person, he has a cheskes kashras, we don't know. How do people feel? 
That's ridiculous. Somebody who knows that they were abused or they know 100% that somebody else was abused um, have a chiyuv to go and to um, uh, go to the right authorities, that may be sometimes to the police, that may be sometimes to a rav or a bezdin, and um, see to it that that person is neutralized in a way that he can't harm anyone else, and that rav or that bezdin should decide whether uh, that person uh, needs to be punished or or held back in some other way um and also that people should know to be to to uh, to be aware of him uh that they shouldn't put themselves in a situation where it could happen to them too so there's no uh, no idea of not being you're, you're right in that situation it's a clear uh case of a road and every god will be israel would agree that in that situation uh, you have to report it in a way that will stop that person from being able to harm anyone else. Um, the, 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 the gray areas are where it's not so clear. And it's in a situation where at this point it's an accusation that hasn't been uh, established as, uh, as fact that needs to be investigated. Again, we're talking about things that are life and death issues, not just for victims. When we know when somebody's a victim, it's a life and death issue, not only to stop that, uh, that, that um, uh, a person who is a, a predator or, a, or whatever, uh, an abuser, uh, stop him from abusing other people. And not only that, to give uh, uh, credence and, and closure and, and validation to the victim. Right. But so how many how many people do you have to hear from before you say, oh my goodness, this guy's a racist? I don't know. Is, tw- I, I is think, 10 enough? Is 5 enough? Is 20 enough? Is 50 think, enough? Like how many would you say you have to hear from? Uh, I think that the, the maximum or, or the minimum is, is two people. That right. it's not just something that one person said. I absolutely I, agree with that. What? I absolutely agree. But you would say 20 is enough. I would say, yeah, 20, 20 is enough. So Rabbi Love, do you feel as a community... Is enough... I didn't, I didn't hear, and I don't know, I can't comment okay. one way or the other, on what exactly was heard from those 20 people. Right, but and it's... Much, and how much it wasn't firsthand that things get changed when they're secondhand or thirdhand. So again, it has to be not a dose that is acceptable in a, in a based in normally, but it has to be at least a, a call, a, a strong, uh, even a rumor, but something that has some kind of basis to it that can be investigated or whatever. Rabbi Rilev, I have a question. Do you feel as a society, women, children, feel safe? Like if they were attacked or molested, that they would get the appropriate empathy, attention, care... Or do you think that there's a sense of that the women and children feel that they would be given the short end of the stick if they came forward? If you ask me if people uh, who are abused have um, um, a difficult time getting justice, yeah, because of many, many factors, I would, just, I would agree that that's, that's, that's a problem. Right now, the abused do not feel like they really have... Uh, agency as to where to go to with and get attention and get and get you know action at this yeah, point maybe again uh, there there are situations where people go to people that take care of it properly 
and there are situations where people go to people who don't take care of it properly. So uh, uh, it, 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 the, the truth is that a person has a right probably to feel um, vulnerable and uh, and uh, feel that they're not going to get justice. What about Lashon Hara? You know, there are people, we've, we've heard Rabbi, many prominent Rabbanim speak about this issue, including Rabbi Berkowitz, who's like one of the world experts in Lashon Hara, and they weren't concerned about the Isser of Lashon Hara. Could you explain why? Yeah, because it's pretty clear that if, uh, if you're trying to save somebody, not only from things that are life and death, but even from monetary problems or whatever, then there are rules of when it's not only allowed to say what would normally be Russian horror, but it, it, you're mechoyev to say it, right? But you, there, are, there are rules. You have to know personally that the thing that you're saying is true. You have to have no axe to grind. You're, you're saying it objectively um, in order to uh, save someone from harm, and uh, there's no other way of saving that person from harm than revealing this information under those circumstances, not only is it not Russian horror, it's a mitzvah to say. Okay, let me talk about the books. So halachically, you know, the the the, 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 the Rambam seemed to paskin um, that Red Meir was an exception about learning from uh, uh, Acher, but we are not allowed to learn from a Rebbe Puzzle, right? And uh, and, you know, which would seem to imply that the books of, of uh, anybody who, who did acts like this should be Nessar. On the other hand, halachically, the, the Shavalarov and the Divriyar Mio, a number of Yachreinim from the 1800s, both say that, interesting, they say, if it's, you're learning from him one-on-one -on -one or or in front of a group, you're not a lado. But from his sefer, you're a lado. And the Divrier Mio says, who's a big Goyen, the Shavalarov was the Goyen of Bedeire, was one of the two or three Goyen of Bedeire, of Chaim Brisker writes amazing things about him. Um, he writes that the Isser is, because loyal his Chaber in Russia, he said if it's his books, there's no concept of Lis Chaber, so there would be no problem of learning Tyrus Acher if it wasn't Mipiu or if it was just his farm. Given that, how should we look at the books, which I understand sold almost a million copies of this gentleman? Okay, I, I can't tell you anything. I can tell you what the parameters are that I, that I think that have to be considered. I can't tell you what the considerations are in the end, but let me tell you what I think. First of all, I think that if no one ever found anything wrong with the books until uh, this person was exposed, Right as uh, as a Russia, uh, then the the question is not the material in the books. So it is either um, supporting a Russia that would make a difference if the person's still alive or not alive. It also, like you said, uh, is learning from his books, but not from him. Here also could be that the books are not teaching for anybody; they're relating stories. That's also a possibility to consider. Also, the victims. Um, of this person are affected very negatively by seeing people holding these books and the books being sold and vindicating a person that harmed them uh, in a way that's considered pikuach um, nefesh, considered uh, uh, for their health and well-being for the future a problem. That has to be considered also. At the same time, on the other side, right, the, 
this is a means of parnasa for a family that really don't deserve the family to be to be harmed, and that has to be taken in consideration. Is it absolutely necessary, halakhically, to stop the sale of these books and cut off a parnasa from a family, or is it not halakhically mandated? To that's that's also something that has to be taken. Taking all that in consideration. Right, so then one should know. Should maybe the book should be banned temporarily, maybe permanently, maybe um, they should be sold with some kind of caveat. I don't know. That's not my place to to decide, right, or to make any kind of uh, of uh, of uh, proclamation about it. Okay, here's another question. Our protagonist committed suicide. The Shulchan Aruch is very clear. The Gemara that somebody who commits suicide doesn't really get Kuras Yisrael. He should be very outside the cemetery. Um, you, you don't Shiloh whether he's a Shiva even on him, etc. But he certainly he doesn't get Kura. He, and it's considered, an, the Ramam says, it's an act of Ritzicha. In other words, just because if a person kills somebody else, he's a Ritzich. A person is not allowed to kill themselves. He's also a Ritzich, even if it's your own body. So the Paiskim already say, the Radvaz and others, you don't own your own body. You, you, right? So how would you explain that B'nai Brak, which is an Orthodox community, um, by a levaya of this person, thousands of people came. I've heard, and this is not my question. I've heard it from others. He got hespedim karoi. So first of all, it's negative halacha. And second of all, it, it seems to be some type of a glorification of suicide, which is a real issue given that, you know, here in, we've heard from Tzvi Gluck, here in the greater New York area, there are almost 100 suicides a year from, from a people. There is a real issue with suicide. And people say, well, you could be suicide, you get buried, you get big hespedim, big levayas. How is it that a community like that did something like this. And in fact, the, 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 the heta to bury inside is a very tenuous heta. And it's some cipher says the person is probably went insane at that point. It doesn't seem from uh, the, the suicide note that he was insane. So I'm asking you halachically as a moira how did they bury somebody like this inside a cemetery? And how did they make such a big levaya and have such chashavas bathe them? Yeah, obviously there are there are reasons, again, I'm not saying what this situation was. I don't have enough information about it or whatever. But there are definitely um, extenuating circumstances that if a person kills himself, he's not considered a ma'abed asphaltas, he's not considered a suicide. Um, one of them is that the person is afraid that they are going to torture him or whatever, like by... By, by soul, by so soul. There are definitely many tubers that if somebody's driven by, not because he just felt that life is not important and he wants to end his life. But he's driven by um, by tsaris, by by uh, embarrassment, whatever it may be. Then after the fact, we don't give him the halachas of a suicide. It's it's still a terrible thing. And if he so, Rabbi Leff, Rabbi Leff, it's hard to contemplate a person committing suicide who doesn't have tsaris. So no. when, the, when the Shulchan Aruch says that somebody who's ma'abed atzmeladas, or the Gemara says, you don't bury him in a Jewish cemetery, who is it talking about? A person who doesn't have tzaris? No, according to these chuvas, one of the chuvas, give me the name of the, the what's it called, um, the Rosh Hashan Yehuda, there's a big Shiloh with that safer. I can't remember right Samim now. Rosh? The Samim Rosh? Right, the Samim Rosh. He says that in order for a suicide to have the halachas of a suicide, it has to be somebody who just says, I'm not interested in living, his life isn't important, but if there's reasons why he's driven to it by Tzoros, similar to what by Shaul HaMelech, except over there, he was afraid that would... He was going to be tortured to death. 
right? He was tortured, or he was afraid that be a Hashem, or he if a person's afraid, he'll be forced to do it. You say a little bit. You say a little bit. But he he extends it even to any sorrow that the person has that he would be embarrassed or whatever. Embarrassment is also like being tortured. So uh, he says that that doesn't have the halachas of a suicide. That does not mean that it's okay to do that. And that the person won't be nidon in Shemayim for doing it. So Rabbi, but Rabbi Lef, even if we say you could bury him inside a, we had heterim, you could bury him inside a Beis HaKfaris, um, would you still be masked with this person and make a very big levaya? Uh, would I know? Because... Uh, it's taking a uh, heter to the other extreme, isn't it? Right. No, it's not only a heter to another extreme. It's, uh, it's, um, um, it causes Achil Hashem, and it causes, again, a lot of harm to people who, in this situation, again, I don't know uh, the situation exactly, but in a similar situation or whatever, if the person would be um, clearly, uh, what's it called, a predator, user, um, it sends out a very, very bad message to uh, not only to the victims, but to anyone else who, uh, who um, knows the situation, and uh, and here's a person being praised, where better Yafa Hashdika in that situation. Okay, Rabbi Lef, last question. To many people, this person was an incredible mashpia. Um, there are many children who, many adults who grew up with him, who were profoundly impacted by him, who saw him as a, a, a positive influence in their lives. And what's occurred, it's like the like a hero self-destructing in front of them. How do we talk to children or adults who sort of saw something very meaningful in their life disappear, uh, suddenly become covered with mud, and it's emotionally, it's it's very damaging. What would you say to these people? Okay, what I would say to them is the following, with the following explanation to it. He didn't do what he did because he was uh, a, uh, a from and uh, and dynamic person. He did it despite the fact. That means that people are complex, and people can have good points about them and have very, very bad points about them. How we deal with them usually is based on the, what's the majority and what's, what's the effect on other people. But that does not, because a person is a Russian, one thing, doesn't mean that he doesn't have in other areas. And uh, just like the Rabbanishal of them, rewards a person, even if he's a Russian gambler, but he gets rewarded for the mitzvahs he did. His fact that he's a Russian gambler does not erase his mitzvahs. Right? A person is very complex, and there are good sides to people and very, very bad sides to people. How we deal with them ultimately um, is basically there their guidelines, total guidelines how to deal with people. Sometimes you have to execute somebody, send them to jail or whatever because of the bad sides. But that doesn't erase the good sides and the the bad sides are not because of the good sides, they're despite the good sides. So you you have to take and look at a person that at this point, because you know that he has a lot of bad sides to him, you can't anymore be influenced from him. And uh, you have to um, decry and condemn the bad sides. But on the other hand, the good sides that you benefited in the past, you have to uh, um, uh, recognize that also.
That's all. People do not, you know, they say, how can from people do this? The Torah was given to Dordea, and it says, Lo Sirzach. That means that from people, it's possible to murder people, to get to murder people. And if they do, they'll get Mises based in, right? And hopefully they'll get some kind of kapara in the next world. But that they don't do it because they're from. They do it despite the fact that they're from. If you look at it like that, then the good points about them remain good points, except you have to deal with the person the way that is the majority or the way that the Torah says that you have to deal with such a person, but it doesn't uh, totally erase any redeeming factor that person may have. Thank you, Rabbi Left. Thank you very much for your time. Hope Bye-bye. We have on the phone with us, from Detroit, formerly the Rav of Whispering Pines in Lakewood. Today, he's the Magichir of Shas Illuminated, Harav Rab Aaron Sorcher. Welcome, Rab Aaron. Yes, thank you, Rab So, Rab Aaron, we're discussing an issue which is very prevalent, I shouldn't say very prevalent, but it's unfortunately somewhat prevalent in our community, where we have predators, and they can be both sexual predators, they could be financial predators, because financial predators mean we have people who, you know, they're welcome in our shoals, and they create relationships, and people start trusting them with their money, you know, it's the Hamisha and Unzara, and it happens in every community, it happens in Jewish communities, and Christians, not something that's endemic to our community, but they become predators, and they, um, and they prey us either financially or on our children, etc. And the question is, how to deal with these people? Now, I think you're somewhat in an ironic situation because a member of your family was a victim of a predator, and and I understand that you did what you could to address these issues and and try to remove the predator from the community. And you were somewhat in the unusual situation where. It seems you were uncomfortable and left the community, even though your family was, in effect, the victim here. Could you give us a little color on both uh, from a personal or maybe from a hashkaf or halachic view of how you, how you would deal with this as both a rav and a very big tamal chacham? Yeah, well, in my case, it's true. A son of mine, we had learned, was a victim of sexual abuse by someone who was a camp counselor of his. Um, the first thing that I did was I actually confronted him directly, and my message to him was that I'm not out to destroy him, I'm not out to hurt him, but we have a responsibility, both of us, that this doesn't happen again. And in order to work that out, the only possible way is that he should leave his job. He was a teacher in a school, and he was a counselor in camp, and also get help, get therapy, and I wanted to direct him to where he could get that help. Initially, he was cooperative. He didn't deny anything. He admitted it to me and to the Rabbanim that I brought him to and to the professionals that I brought him to. And I was under the impression that this situation was at least somewhat resolved. Subsequently... Wait, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Sosh, let, let me interrupt you. Why did you feel the responsibility to remove him from the community? I know it may sound like a sort of a silly question, but I'm asking you both from a halacha, a hashkafa, from a neighborhood. Why would you say that? Because sexual abuse is very, very damaging to the children. It's always a very big trauma. It could lead even to suicide. It could definitely lead to drug abuse, which also could be a clear pikuach nefesh question because of, um, of drug overdose. And drug abuse anyway is, as we all know, it's extremely damaging. Even without that, at least the spiritual alienation, many children who went after their was a direct result of sexual abuse. Um, it definitely, it does lead to failed marriages. 
And it's definitely something which the victim has to deal with usually for the rest of their life. Now, I don't mean to stigmatize the victims. It's definitely possible that with help and with encouragement, the victim could recover from it and could be a very fine, productive, firm individual. But the damage is immense. And there's very rarely such a thing as one victim. If someone was involved in sexual abuse with one child, all the children that he is in contact with are at risk. And it was partially Samad Adamriecha to do something. I believed, maybe I'm a bit naive and optimistic, I believed that by speaking to him, because I knew the perpetrator, and other than this tremendous problem he had, he did seem to me like somebody who I could work with, someone who is, if you could call him that, essentially a good person who, who means well, but he's just completely, you know, his compulsive behavior, completely under the control of the Sahara. Initially, he did give me that impression, too. He expressed a lot of remorse and basically acknowledged that he has a big problem and did sincerely want to get help for it. It's just he backed out. He backed out because there were people that gave him very bad advice to the people that he protested his innocence to, and and strangely enough, they just took his word for it without asking me, without asking the people he was dealing with, or if they did ask other people he was dealing with, they apparently ignored him. He admitted the whole thing. It didn't make any sense at all. But after a while, after a few months, he was very brazen. He refused to give up his jobs. He refused to do anything that we asked. I sent a message to him. I didn't want to talk to him again because he didn't want to talk to me. I sent a message that... I'm going to have to go to the authorities. When the message was ignored, someone else tried to work with him. Whatever the case was, about a month later, I went to the prosecutor's office and they arrested him. So, R- uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Sosha, you know, there's a letter from Rabbi Yashiv and that you need Raglayim Ladavar. Would you say that the admission of the person would constitute Raglayim Ladavar? In almost every case. The admission of the person, in almost every case. Okay. I can't say absolutely across the board. But if he's confronted and he admits it, that's, uh, that's really, really uh, powerful. So, so to go afterwards and say, well, he just admitted it because he was scared and this and that, generally speaking, almost every case doesn't make any sense at all. Right. That was uh, particularly because the information that he gave corresponded with the information that the victim gave. So it really so didn't what, make so any what, sense. And what happened subsequently? Well, subsequently, there were people in the community that... Uh, that agitated and that didn't rest and did a tremendous amount, you know, put a tremendous amount of time and effort into a campaign, basically to both um, come with a two-pronged attack, that A, there's absolutely no evidence that he did it, and it's just, you know, the whole thing is crazy, and B, even when, even had he been a molester, this is not the appropriate way of dealing with it. So they made, and they and they and, made your life difficult. Yeah, but I, you know, I uh, tended to, uh, you know, I tended not, not, I didn't engage with them at all. And uh, that's the way it was. And we did end up moving from Lakewood, but uh, it wasn't, it would not have been a problem for me to stay there. It's just that there were members of my family that because of the treatment they had by certain individuals in Lakewood, they just didn't feel comfortable being in Lakewood anymore. They still don't. And uh, we moved. And so, so, so let me ask you a question now. Extrajudicial from your case, do you believe that when a, a somebody who's a predator moves to a community, that this person should be disallowed from show that this person's, you know, like how much harchaka does uh, uh, a, should our communities have towards people who if, have the poten- it's known if the rabbinim of the community leaves the community know that he's uh, that he is indeed a predator and 
that means he's a danger. And the community has to do whatever they can to protect the children from this danger. Now, let me, ask you, let me ask you another question. And, and would it be fair to say, Rav Sorsha, as somebody who's, uh, I've seen your svarim, I've seen beautiful svarim that you've written, is it fair to say that people who protect the predator and who absurdly make the person who is going ahead and trying to remove the predator, but certainly those who protect them, that rather than being they are being on, they are actually being, you know, what's the opposite of they are being they are, they are in effect being, they are assisting a roidus, where there's a concept Hashavas Aveda, they are being Ma'abed Aveda. With this Lysamid al Damriyacha, they're being Ma'abed Damriyacha. Usually they will claim, most cases they will claim that, the, that, they don't, that there was no evidence, that there's two sides to the story, whatever the case would be. The, the problem is like this. The main problem is, now the people who do it, the Derek call, I don't consider them to be bad people inherently. The problem is that there's not enough awareness. And it's not internalized enough, the tremendous sakana that a molester, that a molester engenders. It's just not, it's not in the consciousness of the people enough. If they would realize that, they wouldn't be able to say, they wouldn't be able to rationalize and justify their actions the way they do. You know, Hanan Fassiman quotes Reb Chaim Salvechik as saying, someone wrote an article which was damaging to the Torah cause, and someone tried to justify it by saying that he really means well. He's just a foolish person. He doesn't realize what he's doing. And Abuchanan quotes Reb Chaim as saying, but in his own affairs, he's not foolish. In something that he cares about, he's not foolish. If he's foolish about Yiddishkeit, that means he doesn't care about Yiddishkeit enough. It's not his own thing. If people would consider the plight of these children, if they would have the empathy, the same type of empathy that we see constantly, like by Lei Biklatsky, or by the three Bachar that were kidnapped by Chevron, or whatever it is, there's a lot of empathy, but somehow it doesn't get translated into the children that are victimized in sexual abuse. If people would have that empathy, they'd think straight. They wouldn't have these rationalizations and justifications. They'd understand themselves what it is they'd have to do. Another point, when question is like this. When an accusation is made and the accusation is denied, someone claims this and this person's a molester, the perpetrator, alleged perpetrator says, no, I'm not, this person's making it up. So the community should give both of them a cheskis cautious at that point. At that point, if it's not clear, so okay, you don't, you can't, you can't turn against somebody just because an accusation was made. He has a cheskis cautious. We don't know. There is a lamechas boy. There's a certain amount of protection you have to have anyway, but you can't turn against him and attack him if it's not clear to you that he's actually guilty. But on the other hand, to attack his accuser, to attack the victim and the family for making the accusation and doing what they do when they claim that they know is also completely wrong. They have a chesed kashrus as well. That's a problem sometimes that people get confused about. They feel they have to take a side, so they decide. Either he's right or I think he's right. They don't have to take a side necessarily, if you don't know. So, as far as you're concerned, they both have a chesed kashrus. But then... Now, me, two more questions, yeah. Rabbi Sosha. When somebody reports somebody to a prosecutor, somebody who's been this firsthand, does the prosecutor say, okay, you said it, I'm arresting, I'm convicting, or before they arrest, is there a, a thorough... Um, no, no. Um, yeah. Well, the prosecutor will, the prosecutor will definitely investigate, at least the prosecutors are trained in talking to the victim and understanding if the victim is credible. I can't say that any time there's arrest, 
that that the, the uh, that's for sure. You could already assume that the person's guilty. That's not true. But it's not the the, the arrest is usually not made just on a whim, just on a. Uh, usually there is that there's definitely some investigation that's done beforehand. And so let me ask you a question. When, when if, if it was a three-year-old, the mother says, you know, my three-year-old, and a little three-year-old is sort of, you know, makes a few, which I understand happen, has happened a number of times. Mm-hmm. Would a prosecutor rush to arrest, or would they be a little smarter than that? Most of the times they'd be a little smarter than that. Yeah. And definitely would. You know, let me ask you it. another question, Sasha. This is a little bit beyond the topic that you're discussing. When you have a, a predator who has been defanged, so to say, he's been exposed and, and defanged, but somebody who's done an extensive amount of damage, predators who may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 children. I mean, we've had, you know, Mondrowitz's victims we've had here on the... He, he, he molested 100 boys, many, numerous, more than a few have committed suicide. Somebody like that moves into a community. He's not a danger anymore. Should the community be marachic this person as Laman Yishmuviro, or at that point, there's no reason anymore to be marachic somebody like this? It has to be decided on a case by case basis. Can't well, I'm, ge- I'm, I'm giving you a case basis. In, in, in a very, in an extreme case where it's 100 percent clear to the leaders of the community that that's the case, it would seem to me that would be appropriate to be marachic totally. It would seem to me that way. But I'm not, I'm, I, you know, it really has to be decided on a case-by-case basis. I can't, in most cases, it, in most cases, even a molester that's been exposed is dangerous. As long as he's interacting fully with the community, that means when he asks a child, do you want a soda, and makes a relationship with him, no one's going to stop him. It's not like people are going to say, okay, you could come to the shul, you could be, everything's perfect, but, but as soon as I see him talking to a child and smiling at them and giving him a gift or whatever it is, uh, alarm bells will ring. That's just not the way people are. So I don't know if there's such a thing as a defanged molester. If the molester is interacting in the community, that's a danger. Yeah. The point is, what, what, also what has to be done, besides that we have to have more empathy for the victim and thereby be more aware of the danger is that the victims in the family, like in my case, have to have, even though it's very hard to ask them of this, but it's just so important, they have to be, they have to have Monsieur's Nefeshire. They have to realize that they're really the only ones that could, that could do anything. If the victim chooses to remain anonymous, does not want to go to the police because maybe people will find out about it, or maybe there'll be some opposition, and and does whatever they can to protect their own children and allows the molester the leeway to just go to anyone else, that's wrong. And even though it's hard to ask that of somebody, but there's nothing we could do. It's like knowing about a terrorist attack and saying, okay, it would be very difficult for me to stop the terrorists. It would be difficult and dangerous, so I'm just going to move out with my family and not tell anyone because of all the difficulties that I'm going to uh, encounter. The motivation that the victim and family should have is not the motivation that you mentioned that, you know, it's wrong, it's not just, it's, it's you know, how could such a rush be allowed in the community? The main motivation they should have is... To protect to other protect children. children. Yeah. And if they go with that motivation and they stick to that, and that's their own thing, but they, they're rock solid. I'm not going to rest until I feel that the danger is I did whatever I could do to remove the danger and not be sidetracked by protecting their own children. Or, you know, let's say there's a Rebbe in the school that's a predator. So very often, the, the student, that the victim, would contact somebody
somebody, contact the Rav, insist on being anonymous. The Rav should contact the principal, tell them an owl about it. And the reason why they're doing it is just because the victim wants to continue attending that school and wants the Rebbe out. Well, what's the principal going to do in that case? There's very little he could do other than telling the Rebbe, go find a job in another school. Then the victim's happy, and the principal avoided a confrontation, which he can't hold his end of it, because how does he know that what the victim says is right? He doesn't even know who the victim is. So because of that, the predator goes to another school, and it happens again, and it happens again. If the victim would say no, I'm not going to rest until this guy is not a Rebbe altogether, or until or until he has no, has no connection to the children altogether. Very, very bare minimum, he should get a job, nothing to do with children, but that's bare minimum. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mind if, if, if it takes, if what, that, if, what, if what will take is that I have to have some exposure, so be it. I can't let this happen again. Then we'd be a lot closer to solving the problem. Yeah. Now, people say I shouldn't blame the victim. Blaming the victim means you don't blame the victim for being, vic- for being victimized. Of course not. But if the victim, after being victimized, doesn't doesn't go out positively and do what he can to make sure it doesn't happen to other children, and if his family doesn't, and people who advise them, well-meaning people, no, you got to care about yourself. Don't worry about anyone else. That's not your eyes. That's wrong. There's no one else who could do it. There's a, there's a terrible threat, and he's the only one that could do it. He's the only one that could take care of it. How could you tell him only care about yourself? It doesn't make sense. You got to care about everyone else. That's the problem. So the victim's acting out of anger and just saying, no, how could he do such a terrible thing and get away with it? And that's what he acts at. The result might not be good. The victim should be acting. The motive should be, I can't let this happen to anyone else. It's a tough order, but I think that's what the terror requires. Thank you very much, Rabbi Sosha. It was an honor having you on with us. It's been a pleasure, Reverend. Thank you, Kalta. Joining us from Yerushalayim is Jonathan Rosenblum very well-known writer. He writes for the Mishpacha. He's an author of 10 bios, including one about my grandfather, Abshagah Feivelman Velovich. He's for 20 years a writer of the Jerusalem Post. His wife is a psychotherapist who deals with abuse, so he has some second-hand knowledge. He's a graduate of Yale Law School. Uh, welcome, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. So, Jonathan, here's the question. We're here. <laughs> in, in the United States, we recently had a scandal with a uh, another Jew by the name of Jeffrey Epstein, right? Just a pedophile, a totally evil person. I mean, he was put into jail without bail, ultimately hung himself, committed suicide. And uh, basically, anybody that had to do with him has become ostracized. A banker had a meeting. Bill Gates' entire career sort of was sidelined because of it. Leon Black, they just had meetings with him. Boom. In our community, when a not dissimilar event happens, some ways better, some ways worse. The worst part is he was a therapist, right? Which means people were at the most vulnerable, trusting him. Instead of him, when he hangs himself, in this case, shoots himself, you know, everybody around them becoming ostracized. Instead, we have a Levaya with thousands of people. The mayor of B'nai Brak talks, Rajki Hilluk talks. Rabbanim come out in his defense. Explain the dichotomy. As an, I issue this as an American. Okay, well, two of your basic assumptions, I think. One of the problems with uh, Chaim Walder is really he wasn't qualified to be a therapist at all. I mean, to say he was a therapist, he certainly acted as a therapist. And that's one of the things that we could talk about later is he's uh, uh, really untrained uh, therapist. But I don't think the analogy is a very good analogy because I don't know any, the people who you say are ostracized by virtue of their connection to, uh, to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, of course, 
it's not so clear how ostracized they are. Bill Clinton was a frequent flyer on the Lolita Express, not exactly ostracized. Prince Andrews certainly suffered Bouchot, Ehud Barak. But here, here, here's the difference of it. Most of those people are people who are, at least there's a chashash around them, that they were not, not just that they knew Jeffrey uh, uh, Epstein, but that they were frequent uh, partiers at his various mansions, his island, his, his, uh, his airplane, and so forth. No one who, no one's, uh, there's nobody in this story who suspected him in any way participated in any of Chaim Walder's goings on, okay? So the, the, the now, there's a lot to be said about this, but th- that, that analogy won't hold up. What is true, but if you want to talk about the funeral, uh, which is certainly a subject that is inevitably going to come up, uh, in my personal opinion, I think it was a terrible mistake. I think the motivation behind it, if you ask me, was probably sympathy for his family, um, you know, that they had suddenly gone from being at the, you know, figures of some admiration by virtue of their connection to him were now uh, figures of humiliation. And there was some, I think there was a, a concern for them, which has its place, but it's so far down in the things that should have been uh, on the agenda. In other words, the funeral was a terrible thing because it added to the pain of those victims of him directly and other victims as well. I mean, in other words, to see a person being celebrated who there was certainly, you know, there was convincing indications that the charges against him were in whole or in part true. And in addition, he had committed suicide. He had done something in a cold rational, manipulative fashion, uh, that itself, I mean, we do bury suicides today, usually because we figure that they're not, they're not fully, uh, uh, you know, they're not fully in their senses at the time they commit suicide. But he clearly was rational and composed up until the end. My wife- There is your point is, let me just interrupt saying what Jonathan is saying is that the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that somebody who commits suicide doesn't get Kuras Yisrael to, in, a, in a cemetery with other Jews because and he was, the Rambam says, he's a, he's a Ritzayach. You can commit Ritzicha versus yourself. It's Yerig Valyavar. The problem is you can't kill this guy, Yerig Valyavar, because he killed himself, but tongue in cheek. But Vinishvi, it's considered an act of Ritzicha. And you're not covered, so they, and she shouldn't. He should be buried outside the cemetery. So the Chassam Seifer wrote a tshuva that people who commit suicide usually have gone insane, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he gives a very tenuous heter, right? What Jonathan is saying is, you read his the letter he committed before. It does not seem that it was it was an act of somebody who went insane. It's an act of manipulation. Like I'm going to punish you for for basically humiliating me. So why was he even buried in a Jewish cemetery? And now he's gotten a kfura of thousands of people, the kfura that most of us won't get, right? This is the type of Leviathan. That is your point. Yeah. In addition, I mean, it's very dangerous. My wife, my wife came home from that and she said, I have clients who tell me all the time, I wish I could, can, could commit suicide. I wish I could just end it. They're in 
despair from any number of things. And sometimes I hear these cases and I wonder how a person gets up in the morning. And she said, but they always tell me the thing that's holding me back is I'm afraid of Olam Abba, I'm afraid of uh, the punishment that comes with it, I'm afraid of everything. Then to have this kind of uh, celebration is it seemingly says, well, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. Maybe <coughs> it's dangerous. It has a, it's the least of the problems here, but it is a problem. The glor the glorification of suicide. And I think that in the in the United States is there was actually has been a big brouhaha right now. There's a website that goes through extended details how to commit suicide in the most efficacious manner. And according to the New York Times, there have been hundreds or thousands of people that use that website as a way, as a sort of the guidelines how to commit suicide. So to a lot of people, they think of this and they say, really, like, aren't you really talking, saying the most ridiculous things? The answer is no. Um, um, you know, we, we spoke to, what's his name? Svi um, Glock, he says there's more than 100 suicides a year in the Haredi community in the United States, in the tri-state area. He says 100. It's an astonishing number. He says, and he says the answer to all of them is their aneurysms. They always say that they had an aneurysm. That's the key word for us. So you're saying the glorification of suicide is something that has occurred here. There are a lot of people who are contemplating suicide. It's not uncommon. And for victims of abuse to say it's not uncommon is probably minimalizing the damage that is done by abuse. And when we think about abuse, um, our tendency is to think, well, that must refer to full sexual relations. And in, in Wilder's case, that apparently did happen in a number of cases. Then there were cases of Asia and so forth. But beyond, all, beyond that, just a boy being touched inappropriately, it's a, there is a tremendous, it sets up, or a girl, uh, it sets up chain reactions which do not uh, go away, and especially if the pattern is continuous and so forth, it really makes them feel sullied. I mean, Rav Aaron Feldman uh, sent a letter out where he talks about that there is no pagia, there's no damage that is greater than this because it deprives a person of his whole sense of self, his whole sense of covered, uh, and it's very, very hard to treat. It doesn't I mean, not everybody reacts in the same way, at least if it's talking about minor, uh, by touching or... Uh, the Tyra says what you're saying, Kasha Yaka Mishore Rutsachi Kane Hadavar Hazet. The Tyra equates it to murder. Right. Because when did you hear about... Did you hear about Chaim Walder's story now or had you heard whispers in the past? Never. So what makes you convinced that it's true? Maybe it's a rumor and maybe Rabbi Eliyahu, um, you know, went off on a tangent. So why would you believe it? Well, first of all, he was, he was acting also in conjunction with Rabbi Yehuda Silman, who was one of the premier dayanim of, uh, of B'nai Brak, a person of real eminence and Seichel Yasher. Secondly... Uh, did Rabbi Silman hear evidence as well? I think he did. But I know... So, I think... So, you notice in the suicide note that... Um, he mentions Rabbi Silman. He mentions them as sort of co-equals who will be... He'll be Tobea and a based in Shomala. So I, Rav Silliman was definitely involved in this case. He probably sent it to Rav Eliyahu, who has had a base in that dealt with certain, these, these in Yonim for some time, because... So let me play, you're an attorney. Let me play, let me push back. You know, he probably, we're not sure if he heard testimony. I mean, we're talking Dine Nefashish here. How do we talk about somebody when it's prob probably, we don't even know for sure, and this... Why are you assuming that it's true? Well, one thing I know for sure is that he committed suicide. 
That we know. That is sure. true. Yeah. So that's that would be by itself. And I would consider that itself as a form of admission. I have no reason to doubt Rev. Silliman or Rev. Eliyahu, who were crystal clear on this. Rev. Itzhak Berkowitz, world-renowned authority on Russian horror, uh, gave a sheer last, uh, last Friday to a group of mental health professionals. And he said, there is no sane person who has the shemets of doubt that he did most, or, uh, if not all, of the things of which he's accused. Now, none of us know what that testimony was. But explain why. Explain why. So just because there are there is a body of doubters out there who say, you know, I wasn't in front of a real big Besdin or this or that. So tell them why they should be convinced. Okay, listen. Um, uh, in these cases, you'll never have stay aided. I mean, usually the, the matters that are at dispute here are matters that took place in in privacy between two people. You'll never have that kind of proof if we would relate to that. Rabbi Eliashev in um, in uh, Yeshurun, in a famous article in Yeshurun, which I think you've probably read all the way through better than I, but uh, he does, he, tell, he told Rav Feibel Cohn, when there's Reglayim Ledover, that you can go to the police. You don't need the standard of 280. You don't need 280 to the Misa, to, in other words, uh, to pursue the matter further. And Agreed, he, but, but it's coming down to one person's testimony at this point, Rabbi Eliyahu. No, it's coming down to the people who testified in front of him. And but nobody's heard them. Well, you know, no one wants that. He didn't want that. He never wanted to appear before any any based in. Um, and the fact of the matter is, now we're Laakar Amaisa. We are after whatever he did, he did. Whatever he didn't do, he didn't do. You know, and based in Shomala, they know the answer to that question. I think it'd be a very gullible person to think that there was that, there, there, that this was completely made up out of the air. In my opinion, you know, if a person is accused of things that are so horrific, it's very hard for me to believe that, that especially a person as well situated as he was with the financial resources to hire the best attorneys would not fight to clear his name as he insisted he would do, and he didn't. Going back to the question I asked you about Jeffrey Epstein, how do you explain that, Levi? You're saying it's just, it was just compassion on the family. I think that that was the primary. When we think going forward, because really what we have to do now is think, where do we go from here? How do we make this, uh, how, do, how do we combat this problem? He's not the first molester. He may be the most famous, but he's not the first by any stretch of the imagination. He's not the first person who was a therapist or quasi-therapist. Uh, and one of the first things that seems to me that we have to do, and Rob Berkowitz mentioned this in his in his speech to therapists, where did this idea of a male counseling females ever come up? Where Terrible idea. Terrible idea. My wife's been shrying about this for 20 years, that it is just absolutely forbidden. It's the most vulnerable situation. I mean, a lot of Terrible. times, rabbinical counseling also has this problem, but, you know, smart rabbis, never meet anybody, not in their home and not with their door open and not with this. I mean, it, it is a situation, it is a border issue, even for somebody who didn't have uh, any negative tendencies, it's just uh, it's just something that shouldn't be allowed. We don't have to say we, we're hoshish you. No, it's a cloud. And I'm told in America that, uh, that, that therapists, it's much more understood in the community that something like this should not happen if a girl if a 12-year-old girl is sent to a counselor, 
she should be accompanied by a parent. Uh, uh, oftentimes, the parent should be should be in the room. I mean, this is this is little. This is something that has to be taken care of. That's a first thing that should be taken care of. I, when, let me just add on to it. And when you combine with the fact that these are not licensed therapists, right. these are Baba Mysa therapists who are untrained. They don't have a license at risk. They haven't put in six or seven years of work to get a license. So it's like you're talking an untrained person with, you know, there's, there's a, in Hilchus Yichud, one, one of the columns about Uman, and Uman protects their license. Well, guess what? There's no call of Uman here because you got no license. Right. So, just, and, 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 and I'm saying, so Chazal knew what they were talking about in Hilchus Yichud. That's the bottom line. Right, right. But that's even, I think it's even true of an Uman in the situation is. Agreed. Like, as Rav Berkowitz said, there are plenty of qualified female therapists today. They probably are the majority of therapists. So it's not that there's nobody to be found. If there's anything, there's a lack of male therapists, but they shouldn't be counseling women. Could you explain the comment that came out of B'nai Brak, that we have to worry about Malbim P'nei Chavere Barabim, that there is a guy who 22 women have come out, and we say there's probably another 100 behind them. So imagine if there's a radif running down the street after somebody with a, with a, you know, a, a big knife, and the guy says, stop, and the guy says, stop, what do you say? Shh, lower your voice, you're going to embarrass the guy's family. Could you explain um, this whole album, Chaveri Barabim idea? No. <laughs> uh, the short answer is no. And I heard from, uh, you know, in Rob Berkowitz's sheer, he made it explicitly clear. There's no... It's not that every discussion of what happened with Chaim Walder is, is Lush and Hora. There's, there's tremendous toelis in terms of thinking in, in the future, in terms of establishing a communal sense of revulsion. Uh, he didn't mention that, but that's my addition. A con- communal sense of revulsion for these acts in terms of expressions of sympathy for victims. Uh, but I don't know, you know, when you tell me it's a statement from B'nai Barak, if I didn't hear the statement myself, I don't believe everything that I see somebody signed on. Because I don't know who signed it and what house it was signed, and I don't know. I don't. If I don't know the the genesis of this statement, I, I really tend not to pay that much attention to it. What there was, and I, I believe this is the case. I think they were desperately, you know, there were those who were desperately casting about for a way to uh, lessen the communal discussion in in the chadarim. I mean, you're, you know, you, we haven't discussed yet. We're talking about somebody who is probably the premier children's writer and many adults too, since uh, Marcus Lehman. I mean, there are, there are no other people who have had this degree of following. His, his book on Kids Speaks for Themselves, and one of his books is the fifth best-selling book ever in Israel. He had a tremendous, uh, he was very talented. I mean, don't. And, and the books, Lechora, did things like introduce children to empathy, to see the world from somebody else's point of view. Lechora, they were, they were uh, a toelis now. So everybody is affected by this. Everybody's mizazua, everybody's shaken to the core by the accusations first and then by the suicide. <clears throat> and this becomes the talk in Nechadarim, little kids talking about whatever appeared in Haaretz, however it was filtered down to them or however you know, the gossip mills got going. This is not a subject for, uh, there's a great effort in, in, in Israel in particular, but I think in, in from society in general to protect kids from discussions. They don't know who Jeffrey Epstein is, right? That wouldn't be a discussion in the Chedarim. They don't know Jeffrey Epstein. 
And that being the case, I think this was in some sense a uh, an effort to chill. If there, I, I mean, how it came about, I don't know. And who said it, I don't know. But if it's a sense to, to, to try and chill the, the amount of discussion, and particularly amongst uh, young kids, each other. Now, in our neighborhood, across the street, we had a pedophile. And, you know, wh- what did the community do? They tried to scare him. They tried to send him for treatment. They tried to do a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I once got a call uh, from some parent on Mozi Shabbos, your son sat next to so-and-so, and sure, you shouldn't, he shouldn't be in that meeting where he dives. And, you know, we took that very seriously. I once said to somebody in my building, uh, he said, is it true about so-and-so? And I said, yes. And uh, I said, um, and I said, everybody knew that. And he said, he was a Baal Shuva. He came to Israel late, didn't speak Hebrew. And he said, well, not everybody knew about it. And that was a very, uh, that was a very piercing statement. You can't go with everybody knew about it. Now, in, in the truth, in my son's cater, the one of their rebbies either went to the police or had all the kids cooperate with, t- talk to the police where they described the grooming process. He was told over and over again, don't drive any kids, don't buy them any sweets, don't go up here, don't do this. And people were watching him. Uh, and eventually he did end up serving uh, uh, four or five years in jail. But um, it, took, it took a time. Going to the police is often not a, very, is not a solution because they'll say, well, did the kid talk to the parents and the evidence is tainted? It's not easy to, get a, a, to prosecute a case unless you have the heat stab root of evidence. We do not have that national database so that a person can sometimes move from one community to another, uh, and, and they do. Or they move from Eretz Israel to America or vice versa, more commonly from America to Eretz Israel. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a problem with this, you know, and I've seen letters from Gedalim. We as a community do not have the ability to, inf- to punish violent criminals. Um, imagine there was somebody in your community who committed murder. Mm-hmm. They said, look, you know what? The solution to this is don't sit next to the guy in Shul because he may stab you. Or, you know, try not to let your kids near him. You never know when he'll take out a knife and maybe cut one of their throats. Let's do it that way. You would say, Meshuggah, now you can't do that. The guy belongs behind bars. Right. When the Torah says, Kain hadavar hazeh by Ritzicha about Naramurasa, right? It's telling you that it's, it's in very effect of killing somebody. It's almost the equivalent. That's right. Where's but yet we say, you know, listen, we'll, we'll push him out of our community, the murderer. Let's send the murderer to Borough Park. And from Borough Park, after he murders somebody, let's send him now to Williamsburg. We're not allowed to go to the police. No, it's absurd. They have the way, the, the government has the ability and the capabilities to contain and to punish violent criminals, and we don't. But yet it seems that when it comes to this, it's much more about how do we help them. Imagine saying to the murderer, we are going to send you for counseling. We know a wonderful therapist we're going to send you for. Stay in your community. I mean, it would be seen as absurd. And, and yet the way we're talking about what's happened in your community about the predator, that's really the attitude they're taking. Well, the assumption is, uh, first of all, a lot of times uh, with this predator on our state, I think he was subjected to uh, chemical castration at some point. You know, social opprobrium is a very powerful tool in our in our communities. I'm not. I'm saying we definitely need that national database. There should be a place. Uh, Rob told me recently that 
Somebody appeared in his kolo. He knew he had been sort of edged out of another community. Brilliant time at Chacham. But uh, uh, a person who was doing things that were highly improper, but not criminally prosecutable. Uh, I mean, talking to boys in ways which were totally inappropriate. But, you know, it's, it's really, it's the only thing, the social opprobrium is a very strong measure in general. Why it didn't bring it the desired results with... Uh, no, but it, like the Balchuva in your community said, like the Balchuva community, community said, I didn't know about it. Nobody told me. <laughs> okay. So what's your takeaway, Jonathan? What's the takeaway? I think the takeaways are we have to find ways of making sure that there's a call line in every community where anybody who feels that they've been abused or their family member can call in. There have to be Bate Dinim set up. If the community is too small, doesn't have a big enough infrastructure, enough qualified people to serve on it, based in to have a regional framework in which that can take place. But there has to be, the, the based in says two things. It says to victims, we take this very seriously. The degree to which the community takes things seriously is very important in their recovery. I mean, the bottom line is no one recovers from sexual abuse without what the, psych the therapists call validation, that their pain is validated that they feel that they weren't wrong, they were wronged, and we are repulsed by the wrong that was done to you. So there has to be a place for reporting. There has to be a based in that, uh, that can handle these issues. Uh, getting to come as on therapists and rabbis meeting with women, important. <laughs> Reinforcement of Hilchus Yichud, fine. But uh, uh, safety education, for children, extraordinarily important. I think that's something that's probably more advanced in America than it is in Israel, but I think it's going to come out in, in Israel too. But the sense, the, the changing the narrative so that the focus is put on the, uh, on the nifka, on the, on the victims, and that, and that the first priority of a community is not protecting our good name, is not protecting uh, uh, the family, that our first priority is on those who are victimized and we have to, and, and everything should be thrown there. If we try to push things under the rug, I think all we've seen is anyone who tries to do so is only leading to more cases, more Chilol Hashem. You cannot avoid facing the problem. I don't think, I mean, I think a based in, a proper based in would be good at protecting the, uh, the privacy of both the victims. It's very important to protect the privacy of victims. One reason many people don't want to go to the police is they don't want any kind of public record. Um, because obviously somebody who says that, uh, a young woman who says that she was violated, she was, uh, you know, she was taken at a young age, whatever, it is going to affect her shaduchim. Uh, inevitably it will affect her shaduchim. No one wants that to get out there. You have to be able to ensure the privacy of the parties as well as to try and protect, you know, as a side benefit, you're also protecting the families of the, of, uh, the perpetrator as well. Sometimes they can be treated. We have a mythology that there's an easy treatment for the perpetrators. There is not an easy therapy for the perpetrators. It, you know, sometimes we use the from motion. He, he did, he did shuva. 
it's these drives are not ones that are easily given to doing uh, to doing therapy. I mean, Rob Berkowitz referred to the perpetrator here repeatedly in his lectures as a sociopath. A person, sociopath, I'm not completely clear on all the definitions of sociopath and psychopath, but usually they don't have any well-developed conscience, at least in this particular area and maybe in general. I mean, you say we should be concerned about the family, but it was he who wasn't concerned about the family. Well, I'll tell you why I would say about sociopath. I think that you knew Chaim Walder. Um, I was in a journalist group with him about 20 years ago. I once met him in his house. We once this journalist group once went away for Shabbaton, and our kids played together. Did I do I know him not well? But I had at least one private conversation with him. Uh, could I have identified him? Uh, certainly not. Um, Here's my point. My point is what to me is uh, you talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein was just an evil person. He never gave charity in his life. You know, I thought he did actually. Yeah, a few a few things just to get his name, but never did a never did a kind deed. He's just a misera satan, spawn of Satan, right? There are, you know, from there are people like that. You see, the, you know, the, the, the Dam Hussein. It was like it's just a, a, a evil, evil person, um, narcissist. I got on a, a hundred on the scale, right? Just wanna, whereas this. Where Walter has spent such a big part of his life trying to do spread empathy for children, teach them, being machana, and to do something that is so counter, counter yeah, you know, counterintuitive, exact, opposite. yeah, yeah, exact opposite. That is what's so astonishing over here. It's like it's not like he was a person who was very empathetic, and in his spare time, he he liked to do some bizarre avera in, in Finland. Say okay, yeah, this side and that side, but here it's the steer Mineu Bay that is so so bizarre and astonishing. Our Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky speaks about it in his piece this week in in Mishpacha. He said that Rabbi Chaim Shmuelavitz always talking and schmoozing about the Aruya or the that everything there's a little bit of it in every person. Some people give off great light, and it doesn't mean that they don't have a some darkness too. And he talks about this at length. It, no, of course, we all can't understand it. You're right. I don't it's, mean that. I'm saying the dark and the light. You could have the guy. He's a tremendous Baal Chesed, and he's a thief. He's a tremendous Baal Chesed. He's a naive. He's a, but here, he's. Uh, my, I do good. I, I, I educate. I help people build them up psychologically because I recognize the power of the mind and of empathy and kindness. At the same time, I'm trying to destroy them through my evil... It's that's what's so bizarre here. It's a degree of narcissism that we can't really because he understood people. He was good at this. Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Bye bye.